right, welcome to the Thursday Night Big Show. I'm Larry Kruger. That's Jesse Naylor, and that's Vish Kumaran. And <laughs> welcome, <laughs> Vish. God, man, Vish, you're tanned up, and you're looking good. And, uh, put on some weight. Put on sure, Jesse. I'm the king of football, Larry. So yeah, you, obviously, I'm here today. You're you're looking stout, Vish. Uh, welcome to the the Krug Show, the Jesse Naylor Extravaganza, the Coach. What Coach? What do you call your show? I called it the Big Show. I was asking around. I asked Jesse. <laughs> I was like, "What do we call it?" Jesse was like, "I think Larry calls it the Big Show." The Big Show. I do call it the Big Show. Welcome to the Big Show. Thursday night, six forty-five West Coast, nine forty-five in the East Coast. We won't even dare to make a guess about the Central Time Zone because there is no Vish. Uh, and both these gentlemen are in the Eastern time zone. So it's 945 Eastern. Um, and of course, my show brought to you by Pig and a Pickle, the best barbecue in Northern California, New York style Italian sausage, uh, Marin Auto Glass, and let's not forget Underdog Fantasy and Mojo Fantasy. And Vish is out of the country. So we decided, you know what? Let's, uh, let's do this on three channels. So this is being streamed tonight on Jesse's channel, my channel, Coach's channel. Jesse's got a Facebook link. I've got a, a a Twitter link. And let's get rolling. we got a lot of Niners stuff to talk about. I'm excited to – this is the first time the three of us, you've streamed with Jesse, Coach. I've streamed with Jesse. I've streamed with the Coach. We've all streamed separately. This is the first time the three of us have streamed together. So right. I'm really fired up, and I'm sure the audience is as well. Raphael always first up says, what's up, Larry, coach and Jesse and everyone. And he says, like and subscribe. Yeah, if you can hit the like, um, that helps more people find the algorithm in the algorithm, kind of find the show. And then if you can hit subscribe to all three of our channels, we would appreciate that greatly. And if you hit the notification bell every time each one of us goes live, you will get a notification saying we're going live. Uh, we got a lot to talk about because the Niners went to Philly and they routed the Eagles and it vaulted Brock Purdy pretty much into the MVP discussion, maybe into the top of the MVP discussion. It also gave the 49ers a very realistic chance of being the, the one seed in the NFC playoffs. Niners in Seattle, on or Niners at home against Seattle on Sunday. Uh, the Cowboys take on the Eagles in week 14, and all eyes will be on both these games. Guys, good to see you. I'm glad that we can talk a little Niners. Before we jump into... I normally, sometimes I prepare, sometimes I don't, sometimes I just rip and go. Uh, today, I've, I have prepared some questions, but let's get into a little organic on on last week's uh, Niners-Eagles. Just give me your, your takeaway. I mean, it was obviously an awesome win for the 49ers in Philadelphia. Um, a lot of people suggested that it would be a blowout, including the great ex-Niner safety, Dante Whitner, and that's exactly what it was. It was a blowout, 42-19 at the link. Uh, let's let's go around the room here. What do you what do you think? I mean, what was your guys' primary takeaway? Yeah, I mean, my biggest takeaway is that this team can turn it on, and I think I think that's what championship teams all have. They all have that extra gear that most people don't expect. They know when to turn it on. They know when to turn it off. And it was interesting because I think early in the week I had predicted thirty one twenty three around an eight point victory for the 49ers. But as the week went along, I just started feeling more and more confident that a blowout was possible. And I knew that if the score got out of hand, it was not going to be a Philadelphia Eagles win. It was going to be a San Francisco 49er win. It really felt like one of those games that they just had to have the way they had talked after the NFC Championship last year. 
Debo Samuel put everybody on notice and he went out and outperformed everything that he had talked. It was a fantastic performance by him, fantastic performance by the team. And I think it's exactly what they need to kind of catapult themselves into the end of the season, going into the postseason, having that swagger and that confidence. They they knew that they were the better team, or at least they felt that in their heart. But now they got a little bit of the validation that they were seeking based off of last year's game. And yeah, man, it was it was a great performance. I loved every minute of it. Coach, what'd you think, man? That was a, that was, I, I've watched this game like five times. Uh, I, I'm, I love watching the film again when the Niners play well. Yeah, me too. I mean, what I liked about it was what we needed to see for the rest of the season. And what we needed to see coming up into this point was the, the line play, the trenches for the offensive line and the defensive line. Um, it's something that has let us down in past games in our three yards, in our three game streak that we had both. Both uh, defense and offensive lines struggled. Um, quite frankly, the pass rush wasn't making it home, and we weren't, frankly, running the ball the right way. Uh, what I liked um, <clears throat> was how the offensive line seemed to play a complete game. Uh, they opened up holes when they needed to. And to be honest with you, a lot of that comes from the fact of how they were utilized. Got to give Kyle credit. I really was impressed with the game. And uh, to be honest with you, what I didn't see in his game plan early was how he manipulated the the Eagles defense to be able to weather their their storm to be able to get them in the right positions on the field so we can utilize the game in the right position of the game. So, you know, I said this before, but that shows a lot of great coaching from Kyle where he's not just ramming his head up against a steel wall and just expecting runs to runs to be successful. I could see Kyle coming into this game saying, look, man, I've got about 15 to 20 strong runs that I need to have during. And I got to be able to pick my spots on window. And if I'm going to run these, if I'm going to make these runs, they got to, the, the offense has got to be, the offense has got to be geared up to run them. And most importantly, we got to be able to prove to Philly that they got to play us. I think that's what you saw in the first two series of the game was, Kyle trusting Brock to make make the make the Philadelphia Eagles play us on it. Crowded the line of scrimmage. They blitzed us. They pinned their ears back. They threw everything at us but the kitchen sink because, truthfully, they were hoping for a first and second round knockout. They really wasn't trying to box for 12 rounds. They thought that they can get us out of the way. And what really balanced the tide was Brock being able to hit Brandon IU on that first out route, on that first out route for eight yards, it was a it was a a check with me, and it was a good adjustment by Brock that Kyle didn't even put into that play. That's the type of stuff that you want to see on the road with three days rest. Seeing that not only did we out physical, we played with more effort. But what Co- I hey, hey, coach, I, and I hate to interrupt you, and I'm not sure if I'm the only one hearing this, but. I'm getting a little. Remember last week when we streamed on Saturday? I just turned it down. I just your mic yeah. was no, no. Turn blown. turn your Wave XLR up two dots. It just doesn't have enough power. I don't think. All right. So are we here now? Yeah. Much better. Much yeah. better. Much All better. Right. Go ahead. So, uh, basically, what I was here to say, what I was trying to say, is that Kyle, Kyle, and the boys showed that with three days rest, we completely out coached them. We out-schemed them. And those are the things that you want to see down the road because, quite frankly, 
We needed to outscheme this team. This is a team with two rookie coordinators, right? That's something that we didn't, nobody's really talking about is that we needed to show and prove against a team that's just getting their legs up under them on how they want to run their team. Well, we've got an OC and a head coach who's supposed to already know that we've got two years in with essentially two years in with the, the weapons that we have in Brock Purdy and, and the addition of Christian McCaffrey. And I'm glad that we showed that we outclassed them. Right. And also it showed that they weren't necessarily upset that they lost to the Eagles. They were upset that everybody had the false notion that the Eagles were a better team. Right. And I feel like that's what they sought out to prove on Sunday. You know, Stephen A. Smith said, uh, you know, this is really makes you go back and kind of reassess uh, the whole Eagles victory on in the NFC championship game, which I think is a little unfair because there's different team. It's a different team and, and we'll give them theirs. I mean, it's, it's official. They got that W uh, it does make you wonder though, what that game was going to look like if it, if it had continued. But I think, you know, I, I would say I would have given the, the Niners, uh, I don't know, 20, 25% chance of winning that game. Uh, if Purdy had stayed healthy, but I still think the Eagles would have won it. But as far as this game was concerned, um, I think Nick Bosa said it best. He said a couple times this week to a couple different people. He said, I hope the Cowboys watched our film. And he, you know, Nick he sounds kind of like, oh, oh, shucks. He's a really sharp guy. He meant it. And what he meant by it is that the 49ers defensive line did the best job on containing Jalen Hurts that any team has done probably since Hurts has been in the NFL. Hurts only had seven runs. His longest run was seven yards. Um, he averaged 2.9 a carry. They they rushed as one. They stayed disciplined. Um, and they didn't give him obvious run lanes. And I think that's exactly what he's referring to. I, I thought that was the, my first takeaway is that the Niners got 46 pressures, but Really, it was the coordination of their rush, which then eliminated, uh, put heat on Hertz, but also then eliminated in his running lanes. I thought that was huge. Um, the Niner offensive line really erased Jalen Carter. I mean, Jalen Carter is an awesome talent. I didn't hear him make uh, or see him make that much of an impact. Even when I watched it over and over again, he had a couple of nice plays, but they kept him neutralized. And then the Niner coverage. I mean, the, the play I specifically think about is the Kinlaw sack where Jalen held the ball for five seconds and they were absolutely locked up um, on, on the Eagle receivers and they were they were not they, nobody could get any get away. I mean, it was like in the, one of the most impressive coverage downs I can remember seeing. So I just think that overall, the Niners rush was coordinated. Their O-line stood up. And maybe most importantly, they're, even though A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith had good numbers, the Niners' pass coverage was really, really good in this game. Um, that's what kind of stood out to me. And obviously, the 49ers get a nice win. Um, now they, there's a, they've sent a message that you know when everybody's healthy, they're the best team. Uh, we'll see if that holds true come, uh, come December and January. But um, right now, you know, the, the 49ers are looking pretty good. Now, can they follow it up this week in Seattle with a big victory over the Seahawks? Can the Cowboys pull an upset? Then things get really interesting. Then it's a matter of if the Niners can run the table, uh, they, they'll they be the home field. They'll have the home, the number one seed, the bye, the rest. 
and and the road to the Super Bowl and the NFC rolls through Levi's. So mm. huge Sunday coming up, guys, because I don't know how you guys view Philly's schedule, but I think if they don't lose again this week against Dallas or next week against Seattle, it's done. We got a, There's a two-week window here for the Niners to potentially get that number one seed. I, I don't see... I don't see um, Philadelphia losing to the New York Giants or the Arizona Cardinals. So I think it has to be either in Seattle or in Dallas if in over the next two weeks. Um, and if the, they, if somebody can pull the upset there over the Eagles, maybe the Niners can slide into the one seed. It'd be great to see. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm just more – go ahead, Jesse. Sorry. No, I, w- I was just going to say that's exactly it. I mean, we're really looking at a two-week window here. Probably a one-week window. I think Dallas being in division, being at home, that's always a tough game for Philadelphia. And Philly is now coming off of three very tough games where their defense was on the field a ton. I think this is the week to get it done. I think the the Seahawks are probably going to be a little bit more amped up for this game for against the 49ers. If the 49ers beat them, and I expect that they will, I think that's the dagger in the heart of the Seahawks. And I don't know that they'll put up much of a fight against the Eagles. So to me, I'm looking at this week, definitely a Dallas Cowboy fan for about three hours. It's sounds disgusting <laughs> to even say that out loud, but we have to be, we want the number one seed. And I think the 49ers can win out, but winning out is not going to be enough. They need some help. And Dallas, I think can provide that help this Sunday. Yeah. Well, ahead, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, the bearer of bad news, but I think still shooting for the number one seed guys is a little wishful thinking. Um, we still got to see Baltimore. We still got to see the Rams and we still got to see Arizona, even though Arizona is not that good of a team. It's still a divisional game, right? We got Seattle at home and we already got a couple of more of our, we got a couple more injuries that piled up on us right now. I'm just more focused on what we can control and seeing if we can actually go undefeated for the rest of the season. Because if we lose one game, this conversation is completely out of the window. Yeah, right? No so doubt. Niners <clears throat> are in a run to run the table mode right now. They have to run yeah, the table. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's that's really my point, Larry, is that I feel like if we get caught being cute, trying to figure out what Philly's got going on, we're forgetting the fact that, you know, the Ravens, they have to finish their business too. They're not going to come in here to lay down to us. They're nine and three as well right so it's not even as if we're going to get teams that are going to be taking us on lightly we're going to be facing teams that are going to be congruent with the same things that we're trying to be getting at the time and it's really not even going to be about oh well the ravens want to be a number one seed and they're trying to fight they're going to be fighting for their literal season where it's like i can't lose this game period okay so for me i see that they showed we love this team when they give us what we want because we know the potential that they have, right? And when you see a game like you do in Philadelphia, you can't imagine anybody beating, honestly, when we're that hot. But the truth of the matter is, is that our biggest issue isn't how good we are. Our biggest issue isn't the quarterback. Our biggest issue is consistency. That's the biggest that if I, if I had to take one thing away from the entire season that I've taken. From the five-game winning streak to the three-game losing streak to coming out and beating the hottest team in the NFL off of the bye to going into Philly and playing the way we did is that we are incredibly inconsistent. And one of the things is, is that the only time we are consistent is when we seem to be 100% healthy, 
and everybody is front running and we're moving at the right time. We still haven't had an ugly win, right? And I understand that people may say, well, we don't need an ugly win when we're up, when we're up that when we're up that fast, right? When we're when we're when we have a really big lead on other teams. But the facts are is that I will be the first one with egg on my face if we have if we go through a Super Bowl just blowing literally everybody out from here until February. I don't think that's gonna happen. So I'm more focused on us circling the wagons, beating Seattle at home, right? Because until Seattle came, until Seattle came up now, we're talking about number one seeds. But until the Seattle game, a week ago, we were talking about the embarrassment of the season would be to lose to Philly, right? So I don't want to lose that anxiety. Like we we got away from it, but it's still healthy to realize that we're not out of the woods. No doubt. It's, no doubt. it's almost I mean, like it, we're falling for it again, though, too, right? To Coach's point, th- these conversations that are being had were had after the 49ers beat Dallas. Yep. The same exact we, conversation. We openly discussed whether there was a possibility of them running the table. Right. Yes. Yes. So now here we are again, and we're discussing running the table. <laughs> yeah. See what I'm saying? Ultimately, ultimately, it's going to be a major challenge. I, I, I don't look at it as... Um, my concern is that it's not necessarily uh, apathy or lack of focus. It might just be really good quarterbacks. And that's my concern about Baltimore and Lamar and the Rams with Stafford. They have really good quarterbacks. And the Niners lost to, you know, uh, Cousins on his best day and maybe Burrow this year on his best day. Um, and they could lose to Lamar and the Ravens if he has his best day, and they could lose to Stafford and the Rams if he has his best day. So I, I think it has a lot to do with the quarterbacks. They've beaten all the bad quarterbacks on their schedule for the most part. They got a nice – they did a great job against Hurts, but it's going to take all that and then some to beat Lamar and their number one running attack, even without, even without the tight end who's not going to be there. And that also kind of lends itself to – what's going to happen with Ertz? Because it sounds like now the Niners went from a couple days ago going, ah, you know, we're not that interested to we're very interested, you know, uh, because, you know, Dwelly's on the, looks like he could be headed towards the IR with at least he's got a high ankle sprain. So he's going to be out at least a month, maybe six weeks. And suddenly I get the vibe that the Niners are suddenly really interested in Zach Ertz. So we'll talk more about that in a little bit, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, can the Niners, this is a trap, a classic trap game or a classic letdown game. Are they going to suffer the letdown or is Seattle in the presence of one of their most hated divisional rivals enough to, you know, fire them up to a level that they can win convincingly. Um, so we're going to, we're going to find out, we're going to find out come Sunday because um, they're not going to have the same juice as they had in Philadelphia. And yet they're going to have an opponent that's desperate needing to win. And desperate teams in the NFL are dangerous. Uh, let's hit the hit the uh, supers here. I don't want to let them sit too long. Kles Limperio, hell yeah, great trio tonight. And brother Bob, leave Larry alone tonight. Too Thank late, Kles Limperio. Yeah, uh, too late. Brother Bob's going at me no matter what. Love nails and coach Purdy's pimp. You see the cut up of your B A B S, dude. I. I, I can't. I, I did. I read that right. Did, did I see? Is that C? I'm not sure. Yeah, um, I think it's two eyes. C. Yeah. So did I see the cut up 
of my bat of my Brandon Ayuk BS. All I said was I was disappointed in his touchdown per- touchdown totals. That's all I said. Anyway, Mike Monahan betting betting the show Greenlaw with over two and a half ejections. Betting the over, he said. <laughs> betting the over. Um, God, I hope not. He was in a great mood today, walking around the locker room, singing songs, feeling good. Uh, the Greenlaw thing rubbed me really wrong. Do you guys have a quick, quick take on on you know the one guy I just can't stand? We're talking about this Dom, the security guard. But to me, this is just such an outrageous precedent that the NFL just sent that non non football personnel can agitate football players in the middle of a football game, and they both get ejected. But who cares about uh, a non participant of a game being ejected? And, you know, we're talking about the Niners best, maybe the the best, the leading tackler last week got ejected for that. I thought that was a terrible precedent to set. And and I think um, Sirianni is an absolute talking out of both sides of his mouth. I didn't want anybody to be ejected. Oh, that's interesting because, you know, I think we all saw you on the sideline said 57's got to go. So you were saying exactly that. that. He clearly wanted him ejected. He clearly politicked with the ref. Uh, to have this player ejected and the player got ejected. Do you guys have a have a thought on what we saw as far as Dom versus Greenlaw on the sideline? Go ahead, Coach. Uh, well, you know, you, you guys know I did I've done security for a long time. Um event security, personal security, um, executive security. Um, and it's a fireable offense. Uh Open, shut, and close. Like it's a fireable offense. Um, for security, you are there to um, preserve liability. You yourself cannot become a liability. You're supposed to be insurance for the entire event. All right. And while the event is going on, you're supposed to be protecting the patronage. You're supposed to be protecting your actual asset involved. And you're not supposed to be making yourself a part of the story of the event. On top of it, there's just a couple of things that I want to highlight where. He was not even like, you know, I feel like there's people that are saying there's like, there's a way you could have looked at this. No, he was dead wrong. All right. If he wanted to, all right, if he felt the need to inject himself, he could have just simply been a presence and stood in between them. He did not have to talk. He did not have to have a conversation with anybody involved. He didn't have to reach his hands out and point at anybody. All of that stuff is outside the purview of security. On top of it, he stepped on the field. So, Security should be seen and not heard, all right? Full stop. He injected himself into the game because he was emotional. He got caught up because he wasn't doing his job. He was watching the game, and he put himself in a position that made himself liable. And to be honest with you, what really pissed me off is not the fact that they were calling him Big Dom and all of this stuff. is that they were trying to say that it was like it was one for one. It was not one for fucking one. We lost our starting linebacker. You guys lost an employee on the sideline who had nothing to do with the fucking game. So, like, the, like, come on, make it make sense. The two don't match up. So, for me, uh, he shouldn't be left back on the field because it's not a situation of what he did there. But security is about trust. It's about being able to understand that you're not going to do this if the next time arises where there's a skirmish that's well within the regulations for the officials involved to handle, when can we not trust that Big Dom isn't going to feel like he wants to usurp his authority 
and start pushing his weight around where he doesn't belong. And it's a liability. What if he would have hit Dre Greenlaw? What if he would have pushed Dre, Green, great, uh, Dre Greenlaw and he would have twisted his ankle or fell? What if he would have stepped on another player or hurt somebody? That's all of the liability involved when you inject yourself into a position that you're not supposed to be in. And he wasn't thinking. Go ahead, Jesse. Did they, did they levy a punishment on that situation? I know that they released a statement and said, okay, you know, security guard has to be, you know, X amount away and their job is this and, and went through all that. But if they said anything about what his punishment potentially is going to be, if any, to me, it's very clear. Security is there to stop fans from getting to the players and coaches. Why his back wasn't turned to the Philadelphia Eagles and watching the crowd is beyond me. I've never seen anything like it. It is extremely strange. I Really, I mean, I talked about it on Sunday night. I've tried not to, to talk about it since because I think it's just, I, I don't want to give it any, I don't want to give the Flames any oxygen to go out of control here. His name's been mentioned enough. He's not a player. He has, should have no bearing on a game and the whole thing was frustrating. My my thought on it is there's way, way too many people on these NFL sidelines. And the bigger the game, the more people there are there. And there's no reason for it. It shouldn't be a perk. Um, I get the feeling that he's not, I, as Jesse said, if he was really security, the most security that I've seen are wearing yellow jackets and yeah. they're standing in front of the stands and they're looking away from the field. And they only maybe three, four times a game look at the game. This was a guy who was standing on the sideline really close. And if you watch the All-22, which I've done now a couple times, he actually stepped out on the field um, twice in this game. There was another play where he actually took a step onto the field where Ayuk got involved in a play on the sideline. And he there he was, and there he was taking a step onto the field. So, you know, this... I would say the NFL needs to eradicate all non-essential personnel from the sidelines. And it's a, it's a, it is a safety issue too, because when there's that many people standing there, these NFL players, I, we've all been at training camp, you know, some, the, the action happens fast and all of a sudden there's a, a sweep to your side of the field and you can't get out of the way. And you got big bodies at, at a high rate of speed coming at you. It's dangerous to have people standing in groups in any way, uh, on a sideline, it, they should be spread out. Everybody should have plenty of room and it shouldn't be a perk. It should be, you should be there only if you are essential personnel on game day, only no exceptions. And there probably should be a set number of people per sideline. So it's not like different in Tennessee than it is in New York, than it is in San Francisco, than it is in LA. Um, and unfortunately for Dom, his, his days on the sideline are probably coming to an end. Um, yeah, and so I don't think of, any, I don't think he did anything malicious. I don't think Dom was trying to do anything malicious and I don't think, uh, Greenlaw was trying to do anything malicious. That's why the ejection really bothered me because you're going to, you're going to, you're in the middle of a game of that magnitude. You're going to take a participant off the field. I mean, this guy better really have attacked somebody violently and you better be on the total right side of that argument. And if you showed that video to a hundred people, all a hundred should say, yeah, that guy needed to be ejected. If you showed this video to a hundred people, there'd probably only be like two or three that thinks the, that Dre Greenlaw should be ejected. And, and there's, it's not reviewable. It's not just, there's no, you know, it's just like, 
and the fact that it went from New York City to you know to the league office and they made that call wasn't the officials. It was nobody there in Philadelphia. It was somebody in New York. Makes it even worse. I, I just think that we would have been talking a ton about this if the Niners had lost 42-41 or something like that, only because it's 42-19 and the Niners routed and Kyle Shanahan's a good-natured guy. For the most part, it's all kind of been somewhat diffused, but I I would imagine there'll be new regulations on sideline personnel. I mean, for me, I I, I just think what's what's kind of crazy is that he, he kind of started um, a conversation that a lot of people don't want to have. And the facts are is that his position actually is pertinent to NFL teams, right? The 49ers have a security, a security liaison that is on the sidelines. And usually these guys are former law enforcement, okay? Or they're, they're active law enforcement and they're there on a part-time basis. But usually their job is to protect the team, right? from fans, from outside. They're supposed to be there to help them do their job, not inject themselves into what their job is, right? So they're, they're, usually those security personnel are probably personal liaison to the coaching staff, maybe the head coach. He's there just to make sure that Nick Sirianni is, gets to and from the sidelines. He's probably the guy that can be able to be in the locker room He's probably the guy that can be in the locker room during games to be able to poke his head in and out to make sure there's no unwanted personnel near locker rooms or things of that nature. So there's guys that are probably looking at this big Dom guy and chuckling to themselves like, can you believe this guy? Like, how the hell did you get so caught up that you put your hands on a player? So I don't necessarily think that the role is going to be, you know, usurped or it's going to be eradicated. I just feel as though that this is one of those roles where it's like if you saw a Secret Service member step out of line and start dancing during like the correspondence ball, nobody would get rid of Secret Service. But that guy is fucking fired. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like he's got to go. Well, and I feel I feel bad for I do feel bad for Dom because he probably, you know, you know, if it doesn't eventually cost him his gig, uh, it's probably not an easy gig to replace and that kind of thing. But at the same time, it was it will move on. But it was just a uh, it was. It could have been very unfortunate. Uh, it wound up being the 49ers getting screwed, but they won anyway big. Strawberry reacts as the best part of the win was the Eagles and the Cowboys fans arguing over whose loss to the 49ers was worse. Straight comedy. That's a great one. Brother Bob says, my biggest takeaway is that Brandon Ayuk is elite all year. There you go. Uh, let's kick the dead horse. Gammon Brown, everyone dressed in all black minus Lazy Larry. Mike Monahan, over two and a half ejections against (laughs) Seattle this week. Oh my God. Zero. Uh, Brandon Green, fellas, you expect the Eagles game plan uh, for all run? You you expect the Eagles game plan for all running quarterbacks? Well, I'll say this as the one, you know, guy who talked to Randy Gregory today about this, he said that um, the plan is very similar this week, that they don't worry about. Uh, Gino running quite as much as Jalen, of course, but they don't want to give many obvious avenues. And so I think, yeah, against Lamar, against uh, Gino here, against Hertz, if they play him again in the playoffs, against Kyler, Kyler. Um, the Niners play some mobile quarterbacks. And yeah, I do think that what they did in this game 
you know, and, and let, let's, I mean, think about it. Normally you're there's, let's say there's four guys rushing the quarterback. They're just pinning their ears back and they're hunting the quarterback and you're playing games and you're moving guys left and right and ET stunts and TE stunts and guys are just going. Well, the 49ers in this game showed that they were going to keep it balanced, almost like a basketball team spreading the floor at all times. And they were going to stay in their lanes. And if one guy moved in, another guy was going to move out. And they were going to try to rush as one. And that does slow you down a little bit, right? Because everybody's not going crazy at the quarterback. But if it eliminates obvious run lanes, it, I'm all for it. And, I, yeah, I do expect they'll do more of that. I have had this question brought up on my channel a couple times this week. And I think it's a great question. I don't think all mobile quarterbacks are the same. I, I think it's great in theory, but I think if you do this to Lamar, you're making a major mistake. I don't think that's the way that you play Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson does not have the same problem that Jalen Hurts does where he looks at the pass rushes coming at him. In fact, I would say to a fault, he keeps his eyes downfield. There have been a few times this year he's been strip sacked from behind because he is willing to just stay in the pocket and take shots and not look at the pass rush or worry about the pass rush. So I think implementing this game plan for a full game would be a mistake. I think the way to get to Lamar is to try to speed up his processing, rush five to keep him in the pocket, and make him force him to make quick decisions is what I would do. I think if you give him time to just camp out, he will carve up the 49ers. I think that would be a mistake, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, obviously that one's Christmas night. Um, one thing that I think the Niners could do is, is sign at Zach Ertz. I mean, um, they don't have a great tight end. Isaiah Likely is actually decent. He was a fourth-round pick, Coastal Carolina guy. Um, but I like uh, – I don't love I don't love the Ravens' weapons. And to me, Lamar running in that game is, is a major part of what the Ravens do. Zay Flowers is nice. Bateman and Aguilar are just guys. And um, I like Keaton Mitchell. He's a quick back, but Gus Edwards, hmm, I, I'm not, I'm not shaking in my boots over Gus Edwards. It's a lot about Lamar and being able to stop Lamar. I do agree with Jesse though. He doesn't, he's not the kind, same kind of runner as Hertz. Hertz will run on obvious quarterback runs and then he'll run when there's big wide open areas. Lamar will run like almost like a back through tighter holes and he's much more courageous as a runner. And he's his his stop and start and just all of his abilities as a runner are, are well, well above what Jalen Hurts shows. I mean, you're talking about a guy who can juke you, a guy who can outrun you, a guy who's got great uh long speed. So you can't go you can't defend these. And Kyler's not the same either. Kyler, Kyler oftentimes will run to throw. Um, and will throw well sometimes at full sprint. You know, he'll be, he'll, he, he actually will throw on the dead run. He won't even stop. Okie 49ers says, guys, have you checked out Dylan Gabriel? Could be the next Brock Purdy, low draft grade for now. He's a gamer, just a little on the small side. Keep it quiet. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, D Dylan Gabriel was at Central Florida. I think he's at what, Louisville, or Oklahoma now? Yeah. He's at Oklahoma. Yeah. He's, He's smaller than Brock Purdy. I mean, he's a six foot tall quarterback. Um, he could be in this 2024 draft. Uh, he's a redshirt senior, so he 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 probably will be in the draft in April. Uh, he's been a very productive college quarterback. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was really, really good at Central Florida, but I don't think he's an NFL starter. 
Um, he's got good, a lot of confidence, no doubt. And um, he's fat. He's got a quick release. There's no question about that. And he's got mobility. Um, and he's, you know, he runs the RPO game at a pretty high level. But I don't think he's has near the arm strength or, or base or or just mechanics, throwing mechanics. It's going to take some time. I, I, I see him as kind of a developmental, smaller backup type quarterback. But he has been productive, and he's been productive in two different conferences, two distinctly different offenses. So it's not totally crazy. Have you guys seen any of Dylan Gabriel at all this year or or when he was at Central Florida? Yeah, I mean, um, I saw a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, a little, I saw a little bit, but I don't usually like go full scout mode until March. It's like I get bored, and then I'm, all right, all right, I'm going to look at these quarterbacks and figure out who I like. Every year I kind of geek out on it. But I'm usually late to the party on it. I will say this, though, that if he is what that gentleman says that he is, then at the very least, he can thank Brock Purdy for being drafted because maybe he would have gone undrafted. Maybe he'll get drafted because of a lot of the similarities that you point out to Brock Purdy. And yeah, I mean, you know, Brock Purdy's one of one. There's a reason that a guy hasn't gone the last pick in the draft and been as successful. There's a reason that he is the one guy to do it. And I think for years, when somebody comes in and breaks the mold, a la Russell Wilson, everybody else thinks that they can go find that next guy and they're they're searching for that next guy that's similar, has the same attributes, but you just don't find that next guy. It's very rare. So good luck to anybody trying to find themselves the next Brock Purdy and doing it by finding it through a guy who has a similar stature and is like, okay, looks like we found him. Let's take our shot. And then he's probably overdrafted because of it. It's funny. It's like in, it's kind of like in the in basketball. Charles Barkley came out of out of Auburn, uh, you know, in the eight, early '80s, mid '80s. The rest of the '80s and all of the '90s, every six four power player was Charles Barkley, and yep. in reality, none of them were. <laughs> right. Yep. So, yep. I mean, but uh, just, it, it happens in the league all the time. I mean, yep. look what happened with uh, Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor comes out, and then we get Taylor Mays. And we get all of these big safeties <laughs> because of Cam oh, Chance. You know what I'm saying? Remember Taylor Mays? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, T.O. came out. Then we got all of these big, good-for-nothing receivers, right? And Plexico Burris was like the outlier of, like, the huge, big receiver. And then you got Funches, who was trash. And you got all these other guys. And, like, yeah. so, you know, Aaron Hernandez and Rob Ronkowski. Dwayne Jarrett. Come on, man. Those, like, remember when Bill Bill Belichick was almost leading the NFL because he kept, like, making tweaks to his offense and making wrinkles that were kind of, like, staple. He started it with the dual tight ends when he had Aaron Hernandez and uh, Gronkowski. That was short-lived, but when they both played together, they were unreal. Then he kind of, like, repurposed the short passing game into, like, a full running game with going with all of those slots out of uh, Amdola, Welker, uh, Edelman, you know? So, I mean, and everybody goes out and tries to find their slot guy now. So it's What's just he a doing now? league. <laughs> Who? Which one? What's Belichick doing now? Trying Holding to find the worst his job, team in the league? Man. I mean, seriously, Devontae Parker, Demario Douglas ain't bad, uh, but I mean, they, they they might have the worst collection of weapons in the entire sport right now. I mean, it's just there. He just he just knows bad. how to pick them bad. I, I think yeah. that's the only thing that you can say he has a talent for picking bad draft guys. Not he's, good at it. He's Belichick, the GM, is hurting Belichick, the head coach. 
Uh, Brother Bob says, also, we are best in the league. That is mostly trash. Okay. That's true. Uh, I think the league is down. A, it feels the like league is down. Not, do you guys agree with Brady that it's way down? I mean, yeah. wh- where are we talking from? Is it way down from last year? No, it's slightly no. down. Is it way down from 10 years ago? Hell yeah, it is. Hell yes. Way down. Yes. Not even close. 10 years ago, the brand of football 10 years ago was way better than what we're watching now. Coach and I have had this conversation on on a personal level, and could you imagine you brought up Sean Taylor? Sean Taylor now it would be a better Fred Warner. Fred Warner. He'd be a middle linebacker. He's the same size as Fred Warner. The game He's literally is the same so much size in as Fred 10, 15 years. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about all the different things. Like when you watch football, old football, and when I old, I'm talking about five years old, ten years old. You see things that you're like, oh, well, that's illegal now. That's yeah. illegal now. Like we, I mean, it's we just gush. A it's a different game. I mean, if you change four things a year every year for four years, now over you know four years f- uh, ago there were sixteen different elements of the game that aren't there today, and that's kind of like almost the pace that we're on. It seems like it's phasing certain athletes out the game. Right. Well, they totally changed. I mean, look at the evolution of the safety position. Compared to now, safeties now are all basically glorified corners and corners. Linebackers now are all safeties. You know, Demetrius Flanagan fouls is a NFL linebacker. Uh, right, he's a safety at Arizona. So I mean, just yeah, it's it's, it's the, it's, uh, the league is like it's getting more and more and more finesse, and that's what uh, me and Jesse we were talking about before, and I've talked to other guys about judging the Niners off of a league that doesn't exist anymore. You know what I mean? And like that's I'm guilty of that. That's why I came out with nine and eight, because when I think about running the ball or I think about stopping the run, I think about the fact that the league that I remember in my head is being a physical team wasn't it, it, it used to be a prerequisite. Everybody was physical. Everybody. Now it's a real characteristic. Like it's something that your team chooses to do now in the NFL. Like, you have legit finesse teams now. Remember back when Andy Reid, let's go like 10 years ago, like when Andy Reid was refusing to run the ball openly. Like, if I could, I'd never run the ball, right? And that was his offense. And he was almost looked at almost like how Kyle is almost looked at in the way of being eclectic, like kind of like sticking to your guns and being dug in and not wanting to play play ball like the rest of the league. That's what got Andy Reid ousted out of Philly because he wouldn't play. He wouldn't play ball. Now you look at Andy Reid. He has no problem. He has no problem running the ball with Pacheco and the guys he does. But now he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to dedicate himself nearly as much as he used to to the run the way he did ten years ago in the league when he was getting when his teams they were good at passing the ball. They had good sticky defense. But the problem with Philly was when Andy Reid was coaching ten years ago was what. His teams ain't physical. Even if they get up, they can't hold leads. You can push Philly around at the end of the day because they don't have a run game, right? So now the league now, we look at Derrick Henry like he's the tip of the spear, like one of the best running backs in the league. Dude, Brandon Jacobs was 10 times the big running back that uh, that Derrick Henry, I mean that uh, Derrick Henry is now. Can you imagine what Adrian Peterson would do in today's league? A prime Adrian Peterson? Like, now we look at Trent Williams as one of the best left tackles in the league. But back when he was playing with all of the monsters in the league, he was a finesse guy. He was fast and strong. 
but he wasn't known for moving bodies. At the time, when Trent Williams had came out of Oklahoma, there was another guy that didn't hold up as long that was every bit a player that Trent Williams was playing tackle. His name was Ryan Clady. And when Ryan Clady came into league, he was a dog in a man's league. Now, it's finesse, man. This shit is damn near flag football. Well, I mean, and, and it used to be if you were 175 pounds, you couldn't play in the NFL. Now there's guys all over the league that are that are way nothing. And it's just it's a speed game. Speed, speed, and more speed. Brother mm-hmm. Bob's nails and coach equal voices of reason and objectivity. <laughs> Brother Bob. Brother Bob. Okay, scratch coach off that list. Taking the Rams, LOL. Talking <laughs> Rams. Talking Rams. Uh, all day, every day, Kim. No way Purdy should be close to MVP. Kyle dials quick passes, tons of screens, yards after the catch, yards. How can a quarterback be the MVP when everyone around you is doing the heavy lifting? Well, that's ignorant. Um, and that's ignorant because Brock Purdy has less yards after the catch percentage of your, of his total yards. The yards after the catch are smaller than the last four MVPs. Um, and I mean, he has like 48% of Brock's yards come yards after the catch. Were you saying that a year ago about Mahomes or two years ago about, about Rogers or three years ago about, about Rogers when they had a higher percentage of yards after the catch? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, brother Bob says, okay, coach back in my good graces, Purdy's pimp. Not so much. <laughs> Yo, he be on you, boy. <laughs> Jesus. Okie 49er. Saban benched Hertz for Tua in the title game for a reason, then sent him out. All you need to know. Brock Purdy pimped at Iowa State, freaking state at Iowa, freaking state at that time. Mm-hmm. I hear yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the Hertz thing, it's funny, right? Because 49er fans do this interesting thing where they get mad at people like me for not crowning Brock and saying he's the future and all these other things. Right. But then in the the same breath, they take a player like Hertz who had an MVP caliber season last year and balled out in a Super Bowl, And they take players like Dak Prescott who have been doing it for a long time. We're really the original Brock Purdy for crushing it his first couple of years in the league when nobody expected it. And then now himself is in an MVP race. And they look at guys like that and they say, oh, they're not any good. But they want answers on Brock. It's, I don't know. I think it's an interesting dynamic that we have in the fan base when it comes to quarterback conversations around the league. Well, I mean, I and I don't disagree, anything, by the looking, way. I don't, di- I don't disagree. They're looking at the head to head and they're going, well, let me see. Brock played her, uh, Dak Prescott. They beat right, him 45. But he didn't whatever, play Dak Prescott. He didn't play Dak Prescott. The defense played Dak Prescott. Just like. Right. He didn't, you know what I mean? Like that's the but way the game is actually played. Up, he hung 40 on these guys. I, I get it. I get it. And, right. and Brock outplayed those guys. I, I understand where it comes from, but also I think that 49er fans have to understand a lot of the time that they're looking at a snapshot of quarterbacks who are good in this league, who play bad against the 49ers because the 49ers game plan is always sound. And their defense has been legit for many years. So if the one time that you see this quarterback and he looks bad, all of a sudden your your assumption of this quarterback is, oh, he's a bad quarterback. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, and I think that, that again, we talk about Dak, we talk about Hurts. Tua's another one. I think 49er fans don't think much of Tua. But 
<laughs> you know what on, I mean? I don't know. It's, the, to me, contrary. it's just an interesting, it's an interesting conversation or dichotomy that we have. Well, then if you look at it that way, shouldn't people really be like thinking that guys like Kirk Cousins or or Joe Burrow are like freaking borderline Hall of Famers? Because that's how they played against the Niners, Killer D, is they were dominating. So should those guys, should Joe Burrow be the MVP? Because he lit the Niners up. Right. And just played pitch and catch and completed a ridiculous, I mean, did, did anything he wanted. But he's hurt. He's on for the year. And so, I mean, it's just the whole thing is a little bit. I mean, it's a weird award. It's kind of like the Heisman. It's like there's rules that are that are written down and then there's the unwritten rules. And so it's like, well, who's going to win the Heisman? Well, it's going to be who's going to win the MVP? Well, it won't be Miles Garrett because he plays defense and it won't be A.J. Brown because he plays wide receiver and it won't be, you know, Christian McCaffrey because he plays running back and it's going to be one of the quarterbacks on the teams with the best record. And it's like, well, what about guys like Burrow who were awesome before they went out? Uh, no, it doesn't count. He's he's out because his team's out and he's hurt. You know, it's just, I don't know. I This is kind of a, it's a wide open year. That's for sure. Um, Purdy but, deserves to be in the conversation. And yeah. and actually here's the, I, I, I don't, I don't bring it up. I don't bring it up because I I actually do kind of agree when it comes to Hertz. Like I understand where people are coming from, but I, I just think that there's a lot of wait and see with other guys that have proven it for longer. Um, but we're we're ready to say, oh, the, you know, this player because he's our player and he's on our team, he's everything that we expected to be, and he'll always be this way. And these guys that have produced for much longer in this league because they have a bad game against the 49ers, they're nothing and they're garbage. It's just an interesting way to look at it. He's definitely in the conversation. If we want to have the conversation now, we can. Brock Purdy deserves to be in the MVP conversation. There is zero pushback from me on that. But there are other players that are doing well across the league. You know, I think Jalen Hurts, at least for a week, has kind of removed himself from that because he didn't. I mean, frankly, he just didn't play well this week. Didn't have any turnovers or anything, but he, did, he didn't play a good game. But Dak has been playing very well. Tua has been playing very well. And I think that we can't poo-poo what other players are doing because maybe they didn't look great against the 49ers. Well, we definitely will get into the uh, the Purdy MVP thing here in a minute. Let me just bl blow through these supers, and then we'll so – we had a bunch of them. See what happens when I have you two guys on here? It's just too many damn freaking <laughs> people farting with their cash. Florida Niner Fanatic says, will Shanahan continue to let Brock throw using the short passing game or does he go back to the play action this week? I mean, he used play action this week against Philadelphia. There was play action. Yeah, once in that the game. run started working. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, he used. I mean, that's what I loved game. about it. Like we, we, we definitely have an mo. Like what we love to do. I was just so impressed with Kyle. For this is probably one of the first times that I saw Kyle at least understand that the defense was going to try to get him out of what he wants to do first. Like. He wasn't so preoccupied with just his game plan, but he was more preoccupied with making sure the Eagles are where they need to be once we get into our regular shit. And I loved it, man. I, I mean, I thought, taught I, me thought some of, I was freaking out. Yeah, some of his play calls were genius in this one. I mean, really all it's about is it's just about creating some space, and he did that on about 19 different ways. Um, and he used all kinds of things, orbit motions and, and um, you know, I mean, uh, play play fakes. Uh, you know half but weak side half pack toss. Uh, fakes and I mean, I mean he created 
little indecision with a lot of eye candy. I love the whole play call on the Ayuk touchdown where, you know, he's got orbit motion to the other side to Debo, and then he's got a play fake involved. Then he's got, he's got Purdy on a naked boot. Uh, and he's got, he's got, uh, Juwan in the flat underneath. And then he slipped, um, Ayuk as it looked like he was going to block on the right side and said he slips through the traffic and tr- through the trash on the baseline of the end zone. And he throws him a strike. I mean, there was just, there were so many ways that, that the Niners stretched the Eagles and that Moro kid is just had a bad day. He had a bad day because Kyle put him in conflict a lot of the day. Um, and, and he just couldn't get back. And that's, you know, he got burned for a lot of yards. You look at the at the uh, pro football focus numbers, Nicholas Morrow had one of the worst days of his life. Uh, Papa Phil says, Coach, your Debo rant did not age well. I'm I just, I, I'd say it, man. Um, before uh, before Debo's before Debo's game uh, that he had yesterday, Debo. He had one game above 100 yards. He had one game where he caught for 70 yards, and he only had one TD on the season with 34 re- with 34 receptions on the entire year. He needed this game. Um, I had called for just a lot of the shenanigans that we hear from Debo, and uh, they just don't. The audio don't match the visual, you know. And my biggest thing with um, watching Debo play is that it's frustrating at times because. The, mar- the, the make on Debo sometimes is that he doesn't run his routes all the way. He, he has an effort issue. He doesn't necessarily play as hard as he needs to from start to finish. And I feel like because of the type of player Debo is, he's very likable. Um, he's a lightning rod. He's polarizing. A lot of guys want to be around him. He's got a lot of char- charisma. Um, you can't be that guy that you only put the sizzle on when people are watching. You got to get caught being the guy. And that was more the spirit of what I was talking about before the game. And that's what we wanted to see in this game. And conversely, some of the things that I like um, that I don't feel like a lot of people are bringing up is that Debo return kicks against Philly. I want to keep seeing that for the rest of the year. I need that. I thought that was some of the biggest plays. To me, that was one of the biggest plays of the game was the return that he had. It only went for out to the 23-yard line. But the way he returned it and the juice that he it had was a statement. on the return, it was like it, it was it was like if it was very confident looking. This was after this was after Hertz went in on the tush push to make it 21-13. They kick off. Debo goes catches it two yards in the end zone, runs it out to the 23. And it wasn't that he ran it out there, but it was the way he did it and the juice he gave the offense. And then Fletcher Cox sacked Purdy on the next play. But then on third and seven, Purdy found Ayuk against Slay on the comeback route. And a couple plays later, Purdy goes to Debo on the 40-yard, 48-yard stick route, and he just beat one guy and was gone. And suddenly it's 28-13. Debo had a huge impact right there. And Um, that's what I'm saying. Like, I understand that, like, man, I I love Debo. And one of the reasons why I feel like um, I, I push on Debo a lot is because he is a special player. He is very unique. And to have such a unique player that can literally be a lightning rod anytime he puts the ball in his hands, it's like effort is what we're dealing with. That can't be your Achilles heel. Not effort. You know what I mean? And that was more of the things that I just want to see out of Debo more where I just want him to be more of an impact on the game outside of his 
you know, his regular end around route. Like I, I need don't, more. He I don't think you ever game. questioned Debo what Debo is with the ball. You questioned can Debo be Debo without the ball? And I don't think we saw anything this last week that that goes against anything that you said. I agree. Where uh, was that a stream you guys did together? I didn't. I didn't. I never. Coach, we never talked about Debo on Saturday. No, nah, that was a stream. I think it was a stream that I did with Grant, where um, I was talking about the people that I wanted to see step up in this game against the Eagles, and Debo was one of them. Brother Bob says that's not all you said. You said Brandon Ayuk has drops, not open enough, and won't get his big contract. This is why there's video of you backpedaling. Just admit it. <laughs> All right, bro. for you, boy. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right, bro. Back away from all sharp objects. Eddie G says, Eddie G just became a YouTube member. All right, Eddie G. I don't know which Eddie G that is, but I always give the YouTube members a little clap. Uh, Papa Phil says, McKivitz and Wilkes are the unsung heroes against Philadelphia 100, and they are keys to our success. McKivitz needs his flowers. Well, I will say this. The last time these teams got together, uh, Hassan Reddick crushed the Niners, knocked out Purdy, ended their year. What did Hassan Reddick do in this game? He had, what, one sack? Let me look right now. I have it in front they had, of They had a great game plan for Hassan Reddick, though. They really did. They they, they did. did exactly what they should have done last year. They, they went at him instead of trying him. to move away from him, and they put him in conflict, and that's that's how they got one of those touchdowns was by putting him in conflict with and George early Kittle. In the, and early in the game, if you looked at it, McKivitz was blocking him. He wasn't being combo blocked, but there was another blocker waiting for him if he had beaten McKivitz. Yep. And that is a that look is almost kind of like, all right, you're going to beat this guy. You got that guy. And I, I that was what they should have done. Uh, more than once in that first matchup, they didn't get to settle into that game, but that's what I noticed. I saw McKivitz over there blocking him, and McKivitz doing an okay job, but mm-hmm. then there was another blocker off McKivitz's shoulder, just waiting for McKivitz to get beat and waiting to help out. So, I mean, they definitely chipped him, they gave him different looks a lot of the day, um, they ran at him. He's 240 pounds. McKivitz did a nice job, but they also kind of took account of of the danger that he that he you know that he represents, and they had a plan. They had a much better plan this time around for sure. One thing I will say though, um, and uh, I, I had a feeling about this. I've been saying it lightly, watching games, and as Jesse, you had a. Uh, a Seattle Seahawks uh, content creator on the other day, and he actually brought it up, and I feel compelled to bring it up now. Um, but we get a lay, we get away with being chippy. We do. Um, if you watch the film, we're always playing to the echo of the whistle, and we get away with a lot of bang bang physical plays. And what I'm saying is, is that I'm not, not I'm I'm happy that the wet that the refs choose to swallow their whistle when they see us playing the way we play, but. They're all bang bang plays, and one thing that made me realize that was the conversation that Jesse had with uh with the con what's his name Jesse uh Brandon Brandon the, yeah the conversation that Jesse had with Brandon regarding um Traverius Ward being physical past five yards down this down the line of scrimmage um on past defenders and Larry you mentioned 
that they, we, we were holding in tight ends and running backs to help with McKibbis on the edge on Hassan Reddick. A lot of those blocks were, were clipping, were chop blocks. They were. A lot of those blocks were high-low blocks, us hitting him low while McKivitz was still engaged on him on top of him. And they were swallowing their whistle on a lot of those plays. I'm just saying that I they feel let them play that in this game. They definitely they let, let them play. That's they, my let, they let Mooney Ward get away with a bunch. They let Mooney get away with a lot. They really let Ambry, us play. Ambry got yes. away with some stuff. So all I'm saying is, is that styles make fights, but also refs do too. And that ref, that officiating crew really let us play versus other officiating crews that would be a lot more ticky-tack on some of the stuff that we were doing. I feel like what I love about that game is that I feel like that they read the energy and they got out of the way. They understood that we Except really just went the green law situation. Exactly. Right. It's like, he's got to go. <laughs> right. But <laughs> I feel like they read, they read the room and understood that we really weren't there for a game. We were here for a fight. We wanted, let them play. Right. However, the boys do play very aggressive to the echo of the whistle and they hold, they do. And they grab and they hit even on the play. Um, there was one play where I believe Debo scored on the right hand on, um, on the right hand side of the field on another end around. And George Kittle was clearly holding when he finished. Uh, there was another, they, play they have where, the still frame of him holding one guy's Jersey and then his and holding, arm wrapped around the other guy. Yeah. Clearly <laughs> holding. There's another play where Debo scores. And the literal guy that sprung him was Ronnie Bell, who tackled his man, clearly <laughs> holding, right? That's on film. So all I'm Blankenship saying is... got held one time really badly. They showed that. Yes. And, and Olsen like, commented so, on it. Yeah. So all I'm saying is, is that I'm glad that we won. We can, but we have to leave these 42 points in Philly. Can't take them with us, right? And all I know is that I know the game just like you guys do. They let us play. We got a lot. It's not the fact that they let us get. It's not the fact that we got away with ticky tack calls, but we got away with ticky tack calls on scoring drives, on scoring plays. That's big. Okay, so the NFL they have their cute little way of setting their narrative, and then they want to come back and be a little bit harder when we when they when we play. But you know that that's in the that's in play for us. They we got away with a lot. We did. I love the fact that we won. Maybe that was the dialogue of the Greenlaw thing. Hey, man, they've gotten away with a lot. Okay, why don't we just take their inside linebacker off the field on the <laughs> Dom thing? That'll even things up. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, you're right, though. I mean, get different games are officiated with different in different ways, and you wonder sometimes if the coaches comment. Sometimes the coach has an impact on it. Sometimes these coaches talk to the officials before the game. Hey, we're, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to call it tight, or hey, we're going to let you guys play. Sometimes there is some dialogue on the field. Maybe there was some in this game. I definitely think that the it's bad. It's a bad look for the NFL when anytime the game's over and we're talking officials. So I think they know that. Um, and I think they're trying to, you know, they they don't they don't want the game to get out of hand, but at the same time, they want to they want to keep hands off if they can. Gammon Brown says Brandon Ayuk is on pace for 1,300 yards receiving and nine touchdowns. Yeah. He's scored like every single week in like the last four weeks. Real, real quick. I want to say that uh, I feel like NFL refs, because they do all call the game so differently, it's almost like when you have a championship fight and you see the, the ref go to each fighter before they walk out and he talks about, hey, this is what I consider a low blow. 
if you guys are are grabbing, I'm going to say this and I need you to break. Um, let me check your gloves and make sure that they're up to snuff. I feel like every head ref should get that or head official should get that and go to the coaches and teams before the game and say, hey, just so you know, I consider this holding. Just so you know, I consider this pass interference. And these are the things well, that we're looking for. There is because a lot it's of that. So they, different. they do do that, Jesse. I, they, I know, I know. But it's it's like one of those things that before a big game, you should televise it. You should show them in the locker room before given the rules so that everybody watching knows exactly what to no, expect no, no, in that, that that's, game. That's, I think that, that's so, too much. That, that, would affect, that really would affect the gamblers, too. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that would. Could you imagine? I, I do hey, know we're gonna that we're going to call this loose today. We're going to let you guys get away with stuff. Also, <laughs> the over people are just killing the over. No, but the, I mean, know, but, but Larry, you've been at games. The refs will let you know, like, hey, yeah. I'm on, I'm on top of on sides today. All right. Or hey. and coaches will go up to guys and be like, yeah, hey, what you looking um, for today? What do you, you want today? Can you, you know, I guarantee you that the Niners politic before the game for Bosa holds. Ever since All the, the time. Oh, yeah, as they ever should. since the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like, you know, because they both Bosa, Bosa got held a ton in the Chiefs Super Bowl. And the Niners felt like they got kind of jobbed a little bit. So oftentimes, you know, I think the Niner coaches are out there saying, Hey, look, watch for holds on against Nick. And if you look at it, Nick draws a first half hold in almost every game that he's in. Now, part of it's because yeah. he's great. Part of it is though, I think, because they politicked for it. I really kind of believe that. Uh, Jesse Wade says Lamar don't have Hurts weapons, but the Ravens D is better. Uh, I don't think but so Lamar ain't Jalen. I mean, I mean Jalen ain't Lamar though. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Those are yeah, two different quarterbacks. Totally. And and Lamar's Lamar's and you know Lamar is a much more dynamic, much more elusive runner. Uh, Jalen does make great decisions, um, but I do think Jalen's weapons are quite a bit better. Blake Lay says, do you think Purdy will be will beat the Niners passing record in 16 games? Also, Purdy running the ball like a running back and trucking a defender. Yeah, McCaffrey was commenting on it today. He's like, yeah, it was impressive. Hope he never does it again. Uh, yeah, you don't. I mean, it's like it's if you want to show everybody how tough you are. Great. But you know what? Don't take hits on your throwing shoulder. And that's what happened in that on that run. He took a big hit on his I, throwing shoulder. You just don't. You do know what it, I really but, think that was? I think that Brock was surprised that he didn't fall on the ground. I think that he braced himself. Yeah, he braced himself to get hit. And once he braced himself, like, he literally almost kind of, like, flatly balanced. Like, I feel like if he had hit that, if he had hit Brock in balance, like, heavy top or heavy low, Brock would have fell. But it was almost kind of like their bodies hit at the same time and just bounced off of each other. And Brock is like, oh, fuck, I'm still up. Well, I'm not gonna fall. <laughs> he just kept running. So I mean, yeah, he should get on the ground. But I thought it was a dope play, man. I mean, yeah. it, it was an inspiring play. For I mean, believe me, your linemen love that when they see that you're you're a real football player and you're not out there. It's just you know, oh, you know, uh, you know. Let's let's put a let's put a skirt on them. They love that. They love that toughness. But of course, it's also about. Hey, you know what? If you take one big hit and you dislocate a shoulder, the season's done. So it's, you know, you got to be really smart with it. Matt McEwen says Brady is the reason why we have no, we have safeguards for quarterbacks. That's the <laughs> other thing. You know, that's another thing that really kind of bothers me. I, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I have long believed that the more athletic you are as a quarterback, the more violent hits they allow on you. So uh, Drew Brees 
got penalties. Tom Brady drew penalties for plays that Mahomes won't draw penalties for. That Dude, Cam Mah- Newton. Cam Newton. Um, Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, some of the, the more athletic, durable, you know, well put together quarterbacks. RG3. Get way, way fewer, um, you know, penalties. If you hit Drew Brees, here came the flag. You hit Tom Brady, here comes the flag. You hit Jalen Hurts, you hit Mahomes, you hit Josh Allen. Nah, not as much. Because like, it, but you know what it is? It does come down to optics, too. Like, if you hit Mac Jones, he looks like a wounded animal. It just looks bad. He's flying all over the place. Appendages going everywhere. Mouthpiece flying. You know what I mean? Like Josh Allen had his jersey ripped off in that Philadelphia game. Yeah, like you hit Josh Allen. He had his jersey ripped. He had his. He it was a clear horse collar. It went totally uncalled. It was a major play in the game. But that's how you could tell that like football has become very like optics and emotionally based, right? Because it's not the fact that we don't call the plays on the more athletic and dynamic runners. The fact is, is that we want to see those plays on the more dynamic and bigger runners, right? We don't want to see a thoroughbred quarterback have somebody lay him on the ground lightly. When are we going to be able to see the Superman shit? We got to have somebody fly at his chest and want to rip his head off to see him run like a goss, like run through the wind. Like, so when you see a smaller guy get lambasted, it just doesn't look good at all. It looks, it looks unfair. And that's why people put in these rules. But with Cam, it doesn't look bad. That's why you could see Cam get into a virtual car accident on the field. And everybody's like, next play. Bottom Second and 10. Is, if, if, if you take out the quarterbacks and you put in backups, nobody wants to watch the game. And that's the real problem. And that's really what I they're all about. Uh, Frank Tom Ocean, how could I not drop a super? Thanks to all three of you. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate Frank. you. Hey, I, real quick, I want to go back to a, a couple of super chats ago where you guys were talking about you know, we would like to see Brock Purdy maybe get down in that situation. I think that's what's what's tough is that that's what you like about Brock Purdy. And it goes back to a conversation we had in the offseason when Brock Purdy was talking about, you know, I, I got to play more within the system and that's what I got to improve on. And Kyle's saying the same things. And you almost half wonder like, okay, is Kyle clipping his wings? Because what made Brock Purdy different and what makes him a little bit special here is that he does play with that chip on his shoulder. He does use his athleticism to get away sometimes. He does play a little bit reckless from time to time. And that's what galvanizes the troops. And so if you take that away from him, especially in the moment, man, you just got to let him do his thing. And, and you're right. It could result in something disastrous, but it could result in something really incredible too. I mean, incredible's great, but Sam Darnold is not. <laughs> so, I agree with that. I'm a little concerned about seeing Sam Darnold. If I see Sam Darnold, I'm going to be very nervous. I, unlike right. Kyle, you don't just won see, the debate, Larry. <laughs> I, I, I like, unlike Kyle, don't see uh, Steve Young when I watch Sam Darnold. Um, I don't know why Kyle saw Steve Young, but um, I'm not sure about that one. Brother Bob says, Me like to do the cha cha like a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> Gammon Brown, 46% of Brock's yards come from yards after the catch. NFL average is 47%. Uh, Papa Phil, I like if 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 like the coach says, styles make fights, we need to be aware of Miami. Speed is the only way around power. McDaniels knows us. Guys, have you watched mm. any of the in-season hard knocks on Miami? Mm-hmm. No. It's worth watching. 
And all I would say is um, Miami and McDaniel, they've got a special thing going right now. They absolutely do. Watch for Miami in the AFC playoffs. They're getting great play from their defense and their offense. We all know what their offense is. Their defense I got to see them beat a on. legit team, man. They haven't beaten anybody worth a while yet. I know. It's true. It's true. And, and it almost makes you go, can they beat a good team? And I don't even know if they can. They got to show us, man. They but they got a great – McDaniel's got a great vibe going there with his players. They're playing hard for him. They love him. He seems to have the, the beat of their locker room. Uh, they, I watched that thing, and I was like, geez, Miami's got a little bit more momentum than I think. Um, I, I, I really believe that they got a good vibe going. Uh, but brother, we've seen this, though, right? Haven't we? Like, we've seen – we've seen, like – the team falling in love with the culture and everybody thinking everything is great. We went through that, right? 2019, how everybody was talking about how great everything was here and how we were the hottest team in the league. At the end of the day, though, none of that shit matters if they don't win. Like if they don't, if they don't put themselves in a position where they are like going into the playoffs and deep into the playoffs, like after a while, that's why you don't leverage on character as much as you should or charisma. Those jokes that Mike McDaniel tells, that shit can only go over so long when you ain't winning, right? Like, so They've only lost to the Bills, Eagles, and Chiefs. Yeah, but this is the league, though. So they're gonna have to really show in the playoff. So well, they, that, they're gonna have to show it here in the regular season. They get they get Cowboys, Ravens, Bills to end the year. So we'll see, right? We'll we'll see right. in those three games. I mean, Titans, eh, Jets, eh. but Cowboys, Ravens, Bills, um, you know, I think they'll be a little bit more battle tested by the time the playoffs roll around. But I do. I mean, how can you disagree with that? They haven't beaten. Look at the teams they've beaten and look. I mean, they've they got wins over the Chargers, the Pats, the Broncos, the Giants, the Panthers, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Jets and the Commanders. Jesse's totally right. They haven't beat anybody. And the only three legitimate teams they've played, they lost 48-20 to to Buffalo, they lost 31-17 to the Eagles, and they lost 21-14 to the Chiefs. Um, so, they ain't did nothing. Yeah. They, 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 you know, it's definitely a show-me. They're in a show-me thing. Um, it's a fake brother, Bob. Is that what's that? That's that a, it's a fake brother, Bob, yeah. Okay, he says me like oh, to do cha cha cha. Yo, brother like Bob cha-cha. is out here killing him. He yeah, got some, he got some people now. replicating him. That's funny. Jesus. <laughs> um, Daza says saying Brock Purdy is bad is just ignorant. I but I can't consider him elite till I see him lead a fourth quarter comeback against a good team and lead a team to victory like Mahomes, Burroughs, Allen's, and Hurts. Okay. That's what we want to see. People people are slave to appearances. They want to see the theatric. Um, you know, I mean, and. It's, you know, you, you, they've led on a lot of games. I mean, you're, you're right. He hasn't had that big high profile, uh, win coming from behind, but he also hasn't lost a lot of games. So it's like, it's not like he's lost a bunch of games. He did, but we haven't seen that part of it. The reason we haven't seen that is he's been so good early. The guy's number one in almost every major passing uh, category right now. Matt I don't know Q. that I want to see it from Brock. I just want to see it from the 49ers. And I think that Fred Warner talked about it as well after they lost to the Bengals that he wanted Grimey. to see it from the 49ers. I think 
I, I think this Kyle. I, I I have more concerns about you. Kyle. The, than this question, we're all in agreement with this. Yeah, this, I this agree with that. Question that goes back years, and it has nothing to do with Brock Purdy, in my opinion. And it, and it's and it's because Kyle at different times has seemingly looked, uh, different. I, I'll just say Unprepared. different. Well, I don't want to because it's like he he looks one way, and then he gets into a close game late. And he just appears to coach it a little different. Now, does that mean he's getting tight? Does that mean he's leaning on somebody he shouldn't be leaning on? Is he going to, you know, elements that he shouldn't go to? It just seems like he's coaches a little different behind in the second half of close games. And there's not a lot of success there. Um, his their their path is that they beat you by getting out early and then bludgeoning you, like like they've done. Like they did to Dallas, like they did to Philly. Matt McEwen says Debo needs to stop picking games and play 100% all the time. Um, Alan from Coles. Alan, thank you. Hopefully you didn't get in trouble last night with your uh, with your <laughs> boss. This guy's working at Coles. And I'm like, are you going to get in trouble working at Coles and talking to us? Yeah. No, no, not at all. And then all of a sudden you hear this. What? And he's looking down. Like, what? What? Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, I am, I am, yeah, I am, I am. Then he comes back, like, yeah, that was my boss. He works, uh, he works the freight team at Coles overnight? Yeah, he's working the late night in Indianapolis at Coles, and he's like, yeah, I'm fine. And then a couple minutes later, he's like, well, my boss <laughs> just read me the riot act about being uh, being on my phone. <laughs> so we don't want Alan to lose his gig at Coles. But, Alan, thanks for coming becoming a YouTube member. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> Good man. Brother brother Bob says, Purdy's pimp. Thanks for not denying you said that about BA man up. Oh my God. Leave it alone, dude. I said that the guy was disappointing for not for scoring two touchdowns through eight games. That was the point. That was my entire point. That was the entirety of my point. Oh my God. Seriously, leave it alone, bro. Alan from Coles says, I want to see CMC as a wide receiver more often. I would, I would like a to wide see receiver. I'd like to see CMC as a wide receiver. I talked to CMC today about his brother, Luke, who is a wide receiver. And he said, he'd love to see, he'd love to play with Luke someday. Have you caught Luke McCaffrey at all in the college game? No. Wide receiver? Pretty good player. Pretty good player. Uh, brother, Bob, Where's he play? uh, Duke. He's in your neck. His name's Luke, Luke McCaffrey. Yeah. Watch zero Duke football. Yeah, six Duke is all right. Yeah, they're they're good this year. But six three wide receiver. I'm not sure if it's Duke. I think it is Duke, but I'm not sure. Uh I have I've only seen clips of him. Rice. So I didn't, I rice. That's it. Rice. I knew it was a blue team with and blue. I've watched less rice football. Yeah, yeah I've, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be watching Duke way before I'll be watching Rice. But no, but McCaffrey's brother, six two, runs well, comes up with a lot of big catches. Christian said he he thinks he's a football player. And he wants to play with them someday. Brother That's Bob cool. says Purdy's pimp equals dink and dunk. BA hater, just admit you were wrong. Oh my God. Gammon Brown says, Coach, you ticked off the faithful when you said Warner was making business decisions. Then you called out Debo. What do you see from Chase Young? This is a yeah. setup because he knows your take on Chase. He Young. knows what Chase <laughs> it's is. A setup. It's a <laughs> full setup. Full setup. Have you been bagging Chase setup. Young? Um, I just, I know why he's here. I, I feel like I understand why he's here. And the only reason why, um, listen, full stop. He hasn't if, been if, super impactful yet. He hasn't. He hasn't. He's only, and 
He's got like less than 20 tackles on the season. Like, stop. Um, so for me, the only reason why I, you know, swiftly put Chase like in this box, if you will, or if I'm always like kind of like keeping him under my thumb, so to speak, is because I just don't want us to get caught up on A, why he's here, B, potentially who we have to pay for this season, and C, understand that his skill set outside of his name can be replicated and found everywhere across the league. He's a pass rusher. Pass rushers can be found playing on the side of the road, especially during the offseason. They're around. You can get them. They can be signed for one- to two-year deals or prove-it deals. All I'm saying is that a number two overall pick coming in, coming into our team, um, I, I just I don't buy like the he's not a Cleveland Farrell or uh, Arden Key, right? Like this guy played with a really good defensive line. He played with a he played with other first round picks, okay? And they were expecting him to kind of be the final piece of their defensive line, right? Being like the tip of the spear. And then now all of a sudden we're gonna take him off of a major knee injury and then think that he's gonna be the piece that puts us over the hump. Like, nah, he's a good depth piece. He's a solid starter. Maybe some year, somewhere down the road, if he gave us a team-friendly deal, um, I would be okay with it. But the only reason why I'm saying all of that is because the backdrop of this conversation is Brandon Ayuk. And I think if it comes down to Chase Young and Brandon Ayuk, no I, would Brandon. Far, I would take Brandon Ayuk, like, not even close. You know what I'm saying? So, Do you think Chase um, Young's going to get $25 million? No. No, I don't either. So I, no. I think they're in a totally different category. I think... I mean, one, Brandon Ayuk is like, you know, going to cost you big bucks. Chase yeah. Young's not going to cost you big bucks. Not big bucks. Yeah. I mean, and if he is, then he's sure as and he's gone. Yeah, then he's not worth it. And that's yeah. my that's my issue. He was like, the second pick in the draft. He was really, really special that first year. Then he had a major, major injury. And he's better than he was a year ago. He's back and he's playing. But he doesn't look like the dominator that we saw in Columbus, at least not to me, not yet. Uh, maybe maybe he'll turn it on, but to me, he looks better than Cleveland Farrell, but not um, nothing close to uh, what he was when he came out of college. I think he was a totally better player than. What I, think I don't Charles think there's Amenihue a was more of an impact than Chase Young. Who did? Yeah. Who was? I think Charles Amenihu was more of an impact than Chase Young has been given. Definitely last year he was. He was tremendous last year. What were you going to say, Jesse? I was just going to say, I don't think there's a significant difference between him and Gregory in, in the favor of Chase Young. Stronger yeah. than Gregory, but Gregory's faster than him. Gregory's healthier. Gregory's got more bend. Um, Chase is maybe a little bit better of an edge setter against the run. But yeah, they're, they're, they're not. It's, there's not a gigantic difference. Uh, Jesse Wade said they let um, Lane Johnson fall start every play, too. They do do that. Yes, it. they do. Yeah, That's, you know, it's an optical illusion. Florida <laughs> Niner fanatic. I hate that. How, I, seriously. Uh, how would, how would, I mean, we watched Anthony Munoz and Walter Jones, and they never did that. This guy, this guy. And they're calling this guy what greatest. This is, do you understand what is happening in the league today? They are clamoring to, to call any and everything that resembles what true greatness was, they're trying to tab it. Like, Lane Johnson, best right tackle of all time. Like, he, it's just like, no, he's not. 
You know what I'm saying? Like he, he is beastly, though. He did have that one beastly block of Bosa where he buried him into the dirt. I was like, wow, Jesus. He, he just made, he just threw Bosa down like nothing. But, yeah, I mean, come on. Lane Johnson. Also, I got a lot of questions about Lane Johnson as far as what substances and what he's how he's built his body up. And, you know, I just have a lot of questions about Lane Johnson. Let's just say that. Um Man, give me John. Give me John Runyon. I'll take John Runyon. He played. Of course. I'll take John Runyon over Lane Johnson any day. I'll take Walter Jones over both. I'll take Munoz on, too. And these guys were monsters. Best Florida Niner fanatics. Just how would Ertz actually be utilized? Not a very good blocker, from what I hear. No, he's not. But I mean, um, more than anything, if I'm the Niners, I want him for the to block him from going to these teams that desperately need him. The Niners don't desperately need him. They barely even use two tight ends. They have done it more. And when they do, they prefer the blocker as the second tight end. And and Charlie Warner's that guy. But here's the thing. What if somehow you get into a big situation and George Kittle gets dinged? I mean, who's your number one receiving tight end in an offense that likes to throw to the tight end? If George is out, then what? Charlie Warner said one catch. Uh, Ross Dwelly, really? Uh, Bra- you know, uh, Braden, Braden Willis. Uh, I, you know, so that to me, it's more of insurance against a Kittle injury and to keep him from Baltimore or Kansas City or Philly or Dallas. You know, that's it. I, I don't think it's a huge move either way, but I, would I rather have Ertz? Yeah, I'd rather have Ertz than, than not. I think, I think Ertz is a luxury for the 49ers, but I look at a team specifically Kansas City. And there, there's nobody coming in through those doors that is going to help them at wide receiver at this stage in the season. However, they are one sure-handed player away, regardless of the position, and Ertz can provide that. Not that Ertz is amazing at this stage in his career, but he's not dropping the ball in a big moment. And if you give that to Patrick Mahomes, I mean, they probably have at least two more wins at this stage in the season. So just that would be massive for the Kansas City Chiefs. And if we can stop that from happening, I'll take it. Yeah, because what we're talking about is they don't have to rely on Sky Moore and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And that could be the difference between the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl and winding up in Vegas and not. All day, every day, Kim says, Larry, you said my take was ignorant, but then you turned around and said exactly what I said. What did you say? Kyle dialed up a play for her quick play. Stop playing the fence screens are long handoffs inflate quarterback stats i think are we mix missing some punctuation there how dot up plays for a quicker for I, I think i think purdy somehow uh is in there got out of yeah, yeah purdy yeah, yeah. Dialed up so basically what he's trying to say is that kyle dialed up quick plays for purdy to throw Stop playing offense. Screams are used as long handoffs to inflate QB stats. So he's, what he's basically saying is that he's not driving uh, the, down the field. The quick game utilized by Brock is inflating his stats. But he's got the he. First of all, he's hold on, real quick, before you go there, almost Larry. every stat he's he's but, throwing the ball further down the field. His average per attempt is number one in the NFL. Yards per attempt one, completion percentage one. So when you're both. That means you're that throwing two. the ball down the field and you're completing the highest percentage. So, I mean, those, if you're one, but not the other, that's one thing. When you're both, it's kind of a hard argument to argue against the guy. Um, well, Brock's numbers don't, wow. Well, Brock's numbers don't win me over. 
how how Brock is utilizing this offense is winning me over. Right. Five, what, and, seven games of 30 plus points or whatever. Yeah, like that. Like I we could go with the numbers and put players up against players all day. But the truth is, is that how guys get their stats are not equal, right? How stats go, how Brock goes about making his numbers and throwing his picks and making his yards per average is not equal to what Patrick Mahomes is asked to do with the Chiefs, right? The responsibilities are different. The offenses are different. The players are different on how they get there. What you have to go on is how everybody does with what they have, okay? Brock can't help the team he's on. He can't help the offense he utilizes. That's what he has. And what, what, is, what Brock is doing with this offense is better than any quarterback we've seen in a 49ers uniform utilize this offense. That's he what is, wins the There's no Brock. doubt in my mind that this is the best Niner quarterback we've seen since young. Now, yeah. some people would maybe say Garcia. Hmm, I don't think so. I think this kid's better than Garcia. Um, uh, I me, definitely think he's better than Jimmy and Cap. Let me add this real quick. I think if you're looking at just the Eagles game, sure. I, I agree with what all day, every day Kim is saying. I, I don't think that leaving that game – you should be like, oh, Brock Purdy now should be inserted into the MVP conversation. I think he should have been inserted into the conversation going into that game. I don't think that game, because of just the numbers, validates that. Because most of his yards in that particular game did come from Yak. However, when you look at his season averages, that is not the case. And I think that's where Larry's going from. So to me, I could be wrong. I, maybe I'm wrong on this. I feel like all day, every day, Kim is talking specifically the Eagles game and you're talking the season and both of you are right, but you're arguing off of two different platforms. I mean, uh, you know, uh, he was great against Philly and you're right. There was tons of yards after the catch. Um, but as I said, he leaves the league in yards per attempt. Um, well, hold on, hold on though. But yeah, listen, hold on. Yards per attempt is not an indication of throwing down. Oh, what happened to, to coach? Where'd he go? Coach, what happened? I said, oh, I, I, read the chat. I said, somebody's knocking on my door. I got to be right back. Oh, oh okay. 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 I didn't <laughs> see it. Sorry. 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 I was like, what the hell happened to coach? Uh, <laughs> yards per attempt includes yak. So that stat alone doesn't show you're throwing downfield. But he's also but number what, one in air yards. He's not number one in air yards, but either way, if you look at where I he was he's number at, one in air yards coming into the week, was he not? I don't, I don't know where people are getting that stat. I've looked at it on PFF and I've looked at it at PFR. He's not, but I'm not. What I'm, I'm not trying to argue that he's not pushing the ball downfield. He is. The stats do show he's pushing the ball downfield. I just don't think that average yards per attempt is an indication of that because it does include yak. The other thing that I think also never gets mentioned here is the guy is doing this behind an offensive line that's, I think, 29th in offensive. It's not win. a good offensive line. I agree. Yeah, I mean, yes. O-line win rate uh, is, is 29th. So he's not doing it behind an awesome line. It does make you kind of dream, if you're a Niner fan, of, wow, if they hadn't traded for Trey and they had all those picks and they had drafted some O-linemen, how good would this team be? Or two years from now when they go and draft some O-linemen and they actually can block for this guy uh, across the board and they got big-time guys, what will it potentially be? Um, I think everything, you know, I and that's true, right? But I think everything happens for a reason and everything happens because of something that happened before it. 
there's a good chance that if Trey wasn't drafted, that Brock wouldn't have been here for one reason or another. You know, maybe they would have taken a different quarterback. Maybe that quarterback pans out. Maybe they would have kept Jimmy and Jimmy would have played back. Who knows? You know, like, so it would be nice to have those picks from the Trey Lance trade and be able to utilize them now. But maybe if Trey wasn't drafted, that Brock Purdy wouldn't have been here. Maybe Brock Purdy isn't even in the league. Who knows? There's so many things that that could have happened differently. And everything happened the way that it did for a reason. I truly believe that. And Brock Purdy is here. He's playing very good football. I would love to have those picks back, but there's a chance Brock's not here if Trey wasn't here, you know? Well, and there's and also, I mean, let's look at this for what it is. They're the Niners, because of where Brock was drafted, are in a unique position. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very similar to where Russell Wilson was when he cooked, you know, came into Seattle. He had a lot of weapons. He had a lot of number one D. He had all kinds of great players because he was making, you know, a million dollars. And mm-hmm. the Niners are getting MVP type performance out of a guy and they're paying him whatever, 840 grand. And two years from now or three years from now, when the quarterback rookie deal runs out, um, they're going to be paying him 25 million. And that means that they're not going to be able to afford all these guys. So it's a, there's some give and take with all of this. Glass City says the fact that you guys thought the 49ers got away with a lot is a testament to how over-officiated the game actually is. A number of those penalties you mentioned are tiki-tack at best. Yeah, I I like, I prefer, and I'm sure you guys do as well, I prefer an under, in uh, under-officiated game, if there is such a thing. I'd rather I think- walk out of the stadium going, man, they really let them play almost too much than the alternative, which is, Man, it was just it, there was no flow to this game because the officials were just just involved in every other play. I hate those games. I hate yeah, the I feel agree. of those games. I agree. Caesar says sorry, but Brock Purdy is not a franchise quarterback. He unfortunately wears his hat backwards. <laughs> <laughs> that was that so question. funny, dude. That was so funny today. Grant asked that question, and then Brock's like, "Ah, oh, no, I I have heard about it though." And someone's like, "Yeah, Colin Cowherd. I mean, my God." sounded like 150 years old I mean, he had a smirk on his face too it's it's like i think brock definitely picked up on the sarcasm from grant because if you listen to the way grant asked the oh, question was there was sarcastic. clear sarcasm coming from him and brock got a smirk like all right let's i'll play along for a second this is good well it's funny it's like i don't know that he at first he started answering it straight and then when yeah. somebody else kind of asked about it he's like well some of the guys in the locker room have been talking about it yeah 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 um once again, coward. Matt McEwen, comment creators for the win. <laughs> Brother Bob, you mean the peeps? Purdy's pimp compare someone to Montana. Uh, I compared him to Montana. Um, there's a lot. There's a, who was it? Was it uh, who? Somebody? Somebody that's far more credible than me compared him to Montana recently too. I'm forget who it was, but somebody did. Um, there's only one Montana. Gary Schetzel says, love all you guys. Love how the Niners made the Eagles look like they went to Cranbrook and that their real name is Clarence. Hashtag halfway crooks. You guys are the best. We are blessed to have you. And Clarence has two real good parents, doesn't he? (laughs) I love it. Coach, were you waiting for me to bring you back? Hell yeah, I was waiting. I was like, will you forgive me? Well, no, because I, you, did you take yourself out, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, but but you need me to bring you back. I need you to take me. No, oh, okay. I let I brought myself back in. I didn't know why I wouldn't let me. Be- 
I don't know why, but oh, okay. you have now. to bring him back up onto the the screen. Uh, okay, I was wondering. I'm like, okay, so Coach left. I want to bring you back before you're ready. But then I'm like, wait a second. He wants me to bring him back. Um, Mark Hot says, are they going to activate Danny Gray this year? Uh, has he done as a Niner? Well, it's it's not that there's nothing bad about Danny Gray. It's just who are you going to play him over? They only uh, they only have so many receivers. You're not obviously we know nobody's advocating sitting Debo or Ayuk or JJ, and then Ronnie Bell is just better, more reliable. But I will say this: that was the one thing I didn't like. I didn't like Ronnie Bell's handling of the return return duties. Ray Ray McLeod, by the way, didn't practice again today. So, you know, his rib injury, I'm not sure where, where his status is. Uh, Danny Gray's fast, and I'd love to see him, but I think he's got out. He's got to beat out somebody, you know, otherwise somebody, on the field. somebody suggested this on my channel a couple of days ago, and, and I wish I could remember who it was so I can give him credit, but they, uh, they said that as much as we like Debo returning kicks, which we all do, and he did it against Green Bay a couple of years ago, that was a nice wrinkle. Why not have BA returning punts? Get get your two best players with the hands on the ball as much as you possibly can. And we know that this offense is spread thin sometimes. There's only one football. They're usually throwing it 27, 28 times a game. But that is another way to get both of them involved and get them kind of going without having to throw them the ball. I think it's a great idea. I love that idea, too. I'm not sure. When did we suddenly get so afraid of our own shadow? Dion returned kicks. He was their starting corner. Uh, he returned kicks in the playoffs. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh my God, Dion may get hurt. He returned punts in college. You know, I mean, I, you know, it's like when you yeah. got a special guy, whether it's Dion, Devin Hester, you know, um, the the guy from Michigan once upon a time, uh, who was awesome. Who was the return guy from Michigan? Who Desmond. We, Desmond, Desmond Howard. You know, uh, when you got a special guy, you want to get him as many touches as possible. I love that idea, Jesse. I, I would definitely love to see Ayuk back there because he's very sure-handed. He's explosive. And what the hell? Why not? Uh, Dazza says, so LK, if Brock Purdy leads the league in so many stats, you taking Brock over Mahomes, Burroughs, and Allen? Oh, look at you. Look at you, Dazza. <laughs> look at you. We'll get to a little where does Brock rank here in a second. Um, but no, I wouldn't take Brock over Mahomes, and I wouldn't take him over Joe Burrow. Um, Allen's had would a really good CJ Stroud. I would take him over CJ Stroud, but I don't know about Allen. Um, Allen's had a really bad year, but uh, right now he's playing better than Allen. But come on, Josh Allen is such a spectacular. I agree with that. Talent. He's six six. He's two thirty. He's he's a phenomenal player, and he's in a bad mode. Is that Ken Dorsey? Now Dorsey's out. Is it? Is it the lack of weapons? Is it something that they're doing? I don't know. But I will say this. I saw him at Wyoming, and he was, he was hit and miss. If you caught him on the right day, he looked awesome. If you caught him on the wrong day, he looked terrible. And we're starting to kind of see a little bit of that kind of show itself again in the NFL. I'm a big Josh Allen fan, though, and I just think there's so – I think he – you know, these guys that you're talking about, are like the top tier of the NFL. And no, I wouldn't take Brock Purdy over those guys. Uh, Matt McEwen says, hyperbole is the enemy of great discussions. Thank you. Uh, Brother Bob says, Trey or others like Solomon, Sermon, Foster, TDP. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of bad picks. <laughs> yeah, TDP is officially like on the 
he's officially on the heap. Right? They resigned him today. Got, yeah, but yeah. that you know, but that being yeah. waived is like officially the nail in the call. And then nobody else picks you up and you can make it back yeah, out. Of, and the fact that you got through. picked back up. Very surprising that nobody picked him up. Are you are, Really? Trey, Sir, Trey Sermon got a carry this week for the Colts. Shout out. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, we're talking Shout about out. a guy who had a 286 rushing yard day against Florida, who's 220 pounds. That was healthy. a day. That was he a ru- day. He Larry. runs over his pads. I'm just, we're not, I'm not talking about a star or a starter, but there's not one team in this league with that every team in the league has five or six running backs. You're telling me that there's. 33 times six running backs better than Ty Davis price. I don't know about that. Man. This I is, would... <laughs> this is how, you know, Seattle is not good this year. Seattle when they're at their best would have picked up sermon for the week. Just so you know, they would have done it. They'd have been like, Oh, and our excuse is, is that, uh, Charbonnet and Walker are both on the mend. We need them. And then they would use them this week against the 49ers. This is how, you know, it's a down year for Seattle. They didn't even sniff around. By the way, uh, Steve Wilkes said today he expects Walker to play. Really? Yeah, I think so, too. I was shocked. I, so too. I was shocked by that. I, I did not expect Walker to play. Me neither. Um, Brother Bob says, finally, Purdy's pimp, and I agree. Only one Montana nails. Here's two bucks. <laughs> Thanks. There you go. Uh, Brother Bob says, nails in the playoffs. Yes. Brandon Ayuk and Debo returners. 100. Yeah. And like I said, that came from somebody in the chat. It was a few days ago. I wish I remembered who it was so I can give him credit. Uh, if you're in the chat, you can go ahead and say that was me and take your credit because I think it was a great suggestion. Oh, it absolutely is. Matt McCune says Fat Fossil did that with the, with Seahorn. Big mistake, LOL. Yeah, um, well. well oh, my God. Remember that? The Seahorn. last white corner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jason Seahorn. <laughs> Jason Seahorn. Uh, he's, he was like, he's like, the, he's like the, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. Do you remember when they used to roam the earth? White corners. Remember when he uh when he uh covered that dude and his pants almost fell down? Remember that? Yeah. Seahorn was fast, man. Um, very, very fast. Matthew Rowley, quick correction from earlier. Purdy is first in air yards per attempt with 5.6. Next, where are you getting these stats? I have I'm not I'm not disputing it, but I've heard a lot of people say it this week. Pro football reference doesn't doesn't agree with that, and neither does uh, PF or uh, PFF. Neither one of them agree with that. So where is this stat coming from? I have no idea. Uh, Balls in your court, Rally, Mr. Rowley. Birdie has seventeen hundred ninety nine air yards tied with Herbert. And it's it's not just uh, Matt. I mean, he's I've heard it all week long that he's number one. There was like this thing floating around Twitter. Some guy on TikTok went ham and far as far as what Brock Purdy's done this year. And I was like, yeah, he's absolutely right. But where is he getting this air yard stat? I have no idea. Um, okay. So we have gone through the supers. That only took an hour and 42 minutes. All right. <laughs> let, let me just let me roll through a couple this is of our topics. favorite topic and then <laughs> end there. Let's 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 go with a couple of these topics and then we'll get your <laughs> I just want you just a quick opinion. So we don't have to go endless yeah, on yeah. this. More likely, what is more likely? That Purdy gets the MVP or the Niners win the Super Bowl. What do you guys think? God. I think that they're Purdy gets the MVP. Both kind of likely. I don't know. Uh more likely. More likely. No, I'll say I'll say 
Super Bowl just because I think that CMC might vulture some of those votes from Purdy. Yeah, I'm, nah. I went. I was going Super Bowl too. I would say more likely is that Purdy wins the MVP. It's a quarterback. It's a first of all, it's a quarterback's award. We all know that, and it's the NFL, and nobody loves getting behind if, a quarterback. If that Tyree way. gets two thousand yards receiving, though. How do you keep if it Mr. out of his hands? If Mr. Irrelevant leads this team to an undefeated season for the second half of this season and they don't lose, Brock is the MVP, bro. You're gonna have it's every great docker, story. So maybe you're gonna have right. every docker wearing, blazer wearing <laughs> commentator sitting in the booth. Circle jerking, talking about how they play golf with Brock during practice. And I was talking to Kyle the other day, and he tells me that Brock's left-handed in the middle of the day, and then he's right-handed in the middle of other plays. And that's what's just amazing about this guy. All of these guys love to starfuck. They want to get a piece of this kid so they can say that I'm in the room. They can put their hands in their pockets and rock their heels back and forth. And talk about how awesome he is. And Rich Eisen is calling Brock his son. He's like, yeah, tell my son good game. And, dude, nobody virtual signals more than the middle-aged white man. They love <laughs> this kid. Okay? And I'm going to tell you, Brock, if Brock does what he's supposed to do, you are going to have all of these guys crowning him. Because that's what they want. That's the NFL. So. The Niners winning the Super Bowl, a lot of things have to happen for the Niners to win the Super Bowl and go through the playoffs. But Brock winning an MVP is middle America's wet dream. They need this. Brock winning the MVP is much more likely than us winning the Super Bowl. Matt McCune says, <laughs> except for Colin Cowherd, coach, LOL. Uh, uh, and, he's, and he even is in on the take. He's like, to be honest with you, let me tell you how sick these guys are. He thinks that he's playing opposition he's playing opposition in in broad daylight just so brock can have somebody going against him even in his mind he thinks that he's helping brock out i have to say something about him so let me just talk about his backwards hat like bro <laughs> they they love this kid bro i'm I telling mean, you how, how do how to tell people you're 175 years old you know talk about somebody's backwards hat um okay um couple more here who was more of a factor? Uh, by the way, Brother Bob says coach is right. Ha, ha, ha. Um, who was more of a factor in slowing down Hurts this week, you thought? The Niners when they're in their D-line with the 46 pressures up front, which is a ton of pressures, man. That yeah, is a ton of pressures. They had nine hits, 46 pressures, three sacks, I believe. Or the coverage. There were, I would go with the coverage, guys. Just it seems like when he dropped back to pass, he had three seconds, a lot. He had five seconds on more than one occasion. Nobody was open. I would, as much as I, you know, the Niners are, Wilk said it today, our defense is built on the front, the front, the front. Okay. But the coverage sure. in this game, I think was the key. What? It, what it, how did you guys see it? Completely agree. Completely agree with that. Because that game plan that they implemented, where they kind of, sit back and make sure all those lanes are closed for him to run. That doesn't work unless the coverage does its job. So in the one 
rare instance, instead of the secondary relying on the front four to get home and only the front four, the front four had to rely on the secondary holding their discipline in order for them to play the role that they did this last week and being patient. So, yeah, I, I would say the secondary. Coach, where are you? The front or the secondary? What was the key Sunday? More the key. I got I, I got to go with the front. And the reason why is that uh, that's just how we're built. Uh, and I can't, I can't forget the fact that our worst games of the season weren't when our defense necessarily was playing bad. We just weren't playing at an elite level, right? We weren't playing horrible. And and my my summation is that what really helped our D line is being able to help with depth. They just can't play like in order for us to be what we are on defense to have a constant pass rush. You got to have waves. You got to have fresh bodies to keep that thing going. And as soon as there's not enough hot coal to go in the fire, the engine dies. Right? There's not enough steam. So for me, I know that our defense is churning when I see Nick Bosa coming off the field, getting a blow, and watching the next four go on there and keep going after uh, Jalen Hurts. It's not what our defensive backfield did, in my opinion. I don't want to speak as though that I'm right. But in my opinion, it wasn't necessarily what the secondary was doing. It was that the fact that Jalen Hurts couldn't get comfortable. There was nothing about our, there was nothing about our defense where it's not, for me, Jalen Hurts wants to get out of the pocket. He wants things to get plastered so he can see things get out of phase and he can find the guys to get the ball down. But what we did, in my opinion, is that with our D-line, we forced Jalen to have to play our secondary honest, right? And there's angles and there's, there's routes where from the pocket, that may be a hard throw to make down the field. But if I get outside the pocket and I can get some pitch and catch going, I can really I can really dot these guys up. And I feel like our defensive line made Jalen stay put, right? And because of that, it gave our secondary a lot more time on the back end to play real football on the back end. Because really, the thing that DBs hate is that quarterbacks, I know this for a fact, that quarterbacks get a lot of love for being really good quarterbacks. But the truth of the matter is they just break the pocket and play backyard football. Plaster coverage is extremely hard to stop, right? And for to be able to not have to worry about that as a secondary because your D line is keeping that guy stationary in one area of the field, I just think it. I think it it meant everything for a game. Hertz was almost like a immobile quarterback. He essentially was rendered almost like an immobile quarterback the way they rushed him. But to me, if you said like the Niners made three big changes coming out of Cincinnati, they put Wilkes on the sideline. They benched Isaiah Oliver for Ambry, and they added Chase Young. If you said to me, "You watch this thing every day," what do you? How would you rank those things? I'm saying number one is Ambry for Oliver. Number two is Chase Young. Number three is wherever Steve Wilkes happens to sit or stand. That's how I'd rank those three. I agree. Um, just because I, I I'm a believer in players, and I'm a real believer in coverage. Um, and I really believe pass coverage is you, you just can't do it with the guy who runs four, six, five and is leggy and long like Oliver. And I th actually think Logan Ryan might be guys a uh, way to keep uh, Oliver further away from the field 
I, I think Logan Ryan is going to go in before Oliver. I agree. Um, yeah. I don't think they want to admit that Oliver was a mistake because that's Jed's money that they spent incorrectly. So it makes them look bad. But I think that Logan Ryan signing is basically an admission that, you know what? We kind of effed up on Oliver. Matthew Rowley says, sorry, those stats are, were our air yards per completion. The average depth of target is 14th, one spot ahead of Herbert. So, and I'm glad, I'm glad that you looked it up. But I, and, and, I hope you understand that I wasn't like just calling you out for saying it. I've literally been hearing it all week, all over Twitter and l- nobody has responded with their source. And it does sound to me like maybe a lot of people were looking at the same thing you were looking at and that's how they came up with it. I appreciate you actually looking it up and responding. DP says dollar 99. Thank you. Matt McEwen wants me off. He says, coach Jesse and Vish needs to be the show. Well, thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, next time when I'm there tomorrow, I'll, I'll remember that. Uh, Why okay. did you read his comment like that, Larry? <laughs> well, just Matt McEwen. Matt can't decide if he likes me or hates me. He actually, he'll, he'll send me notes, and then he'll be like, dude, I really like you. I'm a big fan. And then he'll send me notes like, you shouldn't be on the show. Uh, either way, bro, uh, I'm you cool. I know who like I am. I know who I am. I know what I contribute. All right. Well, the dinner's ready anyway. Get downstairs. <laughs> uh, DP says JT broke down Jalen. Uh, players wide open all day. All right. Yeah, he didn't we, see him. we got a couple more here I want to get to. Uh, Shanahan, coach of the year. He's not uh, going to win it. He's yeah. not going to win it. Nobody thinks he's going to win it. This is, I think, coach of the year in all sports is the most bullshit thing of all time. It's a little cheesy. And here's what it comes down to. People who don't know much make their predictions. And when people who don't know much make predictions and their predictions are wrong, their conclusion has to be, well, they must have been well coached. So, like, if you don't know the talent and you say Team A is better than Team B, well, you don't know the talent. So if Team B is better than Team A, all you got is it's got to be the coach. And the perception is, is that, Shanahan's got a ton of talent and he, the Niners have a lot of talent. I don't, I'm not saying that's not reality, but that is definitely the perception is that the Niners have a ton of talent. So he's not going to win. I probably would vote for D'Amico in Houston because they won three games last year. And to me, they look really, really good. And part of being a great coach is drafting the right players too. And he took two guys at the top of the draft that changed their football team on both sides of the ball. So I would yeah. say I would give my vote to D'Amico, but this is kind of an annoying thing. It's like, it's like the old saying, if your premise is wrong, then by definition, your conclusion is wrong. Dusty Baker won three manager of the year awards with the giants. And it was all because nobody gave any respect to the giants players. They didn't believe in Rich Aurelia or Bill Miller or Jeff Kent or anybody that wasn't named Barry Bond. So it's like, it must be Dusty. But in reality, there was a lot of good players there. Bill Miller went to Boston, won a batting title. Rich Aurelia hit 37 home runs. That Just people didn't respect the Giants' talent, and so they just gave Dusty the Manager of the Year award. I, I All I'm saying is, Shanahan, you know, if you don't think Purdy's much, then doesn't Shanahan almost have to be the coach of the year? Because they're potentially going to be the number one seed. They're the Super Bowl favorite 
with a quarterback that was the last pick in the draft. If you don't think much of Purdy, don't you have to think a lot of Shanahan? Or if you think a ton of Shanahan, maybe that would be a reason not to think very much of Purdy. But if you don't think much of Shanahan and you don't think much of Purdy, I don't know. I'm not sure what I can do for you there. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how are they doing this then? How did they get to the NFC Championship game last year? And how are they the favorite for the Super Bowl this year if Shanahan sucks and Purdy sucks? <laughs> I mean, it's like somebody's got to be good here. So well, I don't think I don't think saying that they're not the <clears throat> in the running for some type of award necessarily says they suck. But I mean, I'm just saying it's like Pur a lot of people think that Purdy's not that great, but the Niners are good. And then there's other people who's a lot of the same people think that Shanahan isn't that great, but the Niners are good. So mm -hmm. the Niners have to be good for some reason, and it probably does involve one of those two guys. So either I mean, Purdy's being disrespected both. too much, or Shanahan's <laughs> or, being disrespected or, too much, or the or it could be true about both, and we could just have a really good defense. There's no, one, no, I, no, that's not where I'm going with it. They're scoring thirty a game. You know, they're scoring. Like I like, yeah, I, I, I went to shit. I like to just see them. <laughs> I, I just want to argue. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what do you think? Where is Shanahan in your guys' mind? First of all, who would you vote for for coach of the year? And you'd vote for D'Amico. D'Amico, but the Detroit but, coach. but I will say, last yeah. year, last year I thought that Shanahan was coach of the year. This year, I would have to give it to D'Amico because the tangible evidence is there. They changed the coach. They were a three-win team last year. Now they might make the playoffs. He's a big reason. Obviously, we know C.J. Stroud's a big reason as well. But coaching does matter regardless of how talented you are. And we're seeing that in Seattle. Seattle has a ton of talent. I Say what you want about the Seahawks, but one thing that you're not going to sell me on is that they're not a talented team. There is very good players up and down that roster. The coaching has done them dirty in some sort of fashion, and they are not getting it done because of coaching. Schematically, they are absolutely awful. They don't change anything. They're stuck in archaic mode. It is a really interesting thing to watch. So yes, Kyle Shanahan has a great roster, but Kyle Shanahan has done a very good job with that roster to keep them in competitive situations and constantly in at least the NFC Championship game. So Kyle does do a good job. I just don't think this year he's coach of the year. Coach, who, yeah, who, are, you giving, I, who are you giving your coach of the year vote to? I mean, I like D'Amico um, for all of the reasons that we talked about. But Dan Campbell, I, I, I think Dan Campbell is a dark horse guy that can make it, man. I mean, Detroit is... They're game. They're young. They're ready. They look like they're a year away. Um, he's stuck with Jared Goff. He's got some impact rookies that have come in and started making um, contributions to the team immediately. On top of it is that one of the things about uh, being the coach of the year is how your coaching staff uh, responds to you. I mean, I know Dan Campbell is a little rough on the edges, but he gets credit for uh, Ben Johnson, in my opinion. Um he gets credit for that. And Ben Johnson is one of the hottest young coaches in the league. Um, also, another another guy that we just talked about, and he may not be necessarily having the most quality wins, but he's definitely got the entire franchise around him. And that is Mike McDaniel. I think Mike McDaniel is a candidate for coach of the year with how they responded to him in Miami and how he's weathered the storm with injuries and with Tua and barely and just getting. People don't realize they just got Jalen Ramsey back. He was their big get over the offseason. Right. So, um, again, you know, some of the things that I, I that 
we starting to see is that these awards, they come with narratives wrapped around them, right? Like the MVP has to be a quarterback on a winning franchise, on a winning team. And more than often, the coach of the year, it's not necessarily the coach with the best team that wins all of the games and looks good on the sidelines. It's pretty much the coach that does the most with the league. That's what the mode is for the coach of the year. And if you look at it that way, then it's for sure D'Amico, right? But also seven and five. Yeah. And that's probably one of the reasons why he may not get it because they actually have to have the record to close it out. Right. But pound for pound is D'Amico because of how bad the Texans were before he got there. But the sexy pick would probably be Mike McDaniel because they have enough talent or to, to actually have a record that would show that he deserves coach of the year. I'll go. I'll say Sirianni. I think Sirianni, I mean, they, they did find a lot of ways to win and they have some flaws. Two new coordinators. They, and two yeah. new coordinators. Uh, they lost some key fit, key players on the back end. They found ways to win. They got more wins than any team in football. I mean, it's who knows? I mean, I, you know, a lot of people would say he had a ton of, has a ton of talent. And I, I agree. He's got a, t- a lot of talent, but he's also had a really good year. McDaniel would probably get a vote for me as well. I, I I'm, I'm a big McDaniel fan. And the more I watch McDaniel in this hard knocks uh, in season edition, the more I like him. Uh, Mike, Matt McEwen says, I've never said I was a big fan of yours. I think he said, or notes, but I think he meant of yours. All right. Well, I stand corrected then Mike. Sometimes you're, you're not a fan. And then other times you're not a fan as well. Uh, Brother Bob says, didn't Bosa say we showed the league about hurts. Yeah. He wants the Cowboys. He said he showed the blueprint. Yeah. He wants the Cowboys. Cowboys Yeah. And I think he makes a good point, to be honest. Alan from Coles says Steve should be the coach of the year. Um, is that Sirianni with his, with his mug? Uh, Brother Bob says premise is wrong. BA not producing. Conclusion is wrong. He wasn't producing. Touchdowns. Oh, he said that your your conclusion in the beginning was is that BA was not producing as That's much what as I said. You I, I, I came into a, a, a stream that where you guys were having a conversation, and I said that. I was disappointed based on how Ayuk played in the summer that he was at eight games through and he only had two touchdowns and that was it. And that was it. That's all. That was the entirety of the point. It wasn't, it wasn't meant to be like, Hey, you know what? I don't think the guy's good. I don't think the guy has talent. Um, I talk to him every week. I'm, I'm a big fan of Brandon Ayuk. Um, I just thought based on what I saw this summer that he was going to have a monster touchdown year and we got halfway through the year and he had two. Now, since since saying that, he has scored touchdowns. He has been fucking tortured. He's, he's been, been going. So there's been an adjustment. There's no doubt. I mean, it's almost like, you know, and he gave me a look one of those days, kind of like. I know you were watching like, this like this. Mother- he gave me a look one day in the locker room like, dude, I, I watched that whole fucking thing. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like, he gave me that look. But then also Brock also was asked about it by somebody else a week or two after that. And was like, yeah, man, we want to make sure we get Brandon the ball more. It's like, okay, so at least I'm, I'm not losing my mind here. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Brandon Ayuk's a great player, uh, and I've I've never said that he was anything but a great player. But I was disappointed with two touchdowns, and if it added to four at the end of the year, I would have been very, very disappointed. Uh, Blake Lace is coach for coach of the year, but he needs to do something with that background, like hang a Niners flag up. With the uh, lame Bean Don's 12s flag. Yeah, he's talking about my guest from last night, Brandon, had a 
uh, oh, Seattle great. Seahawks flag. Yeah, yeah. I got y'all. I got a whole setup coming, guys. Like I, I started the YouTube channel literally a week before the season started. So we we got a whole bunch of shit coming. <laughs> what do you, can you want to tease that? I mean, what what are we what are we talking about? Are you gonna have? Uh, uh, I'm I'm redoing my background as well, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm eager to see. I I want that. I want that. I want that last second sports neon. That's what I want. That um, is nice, man. It is. Very- it is. It's very sharp. All right. Um, two last ones here. How? Who would you consider the Niners' number one weapon? Same. It is team period. Well, I mean, here's the thing about this. This is kind of interesting because it's like, okay, you get down to the, I don't know, first and goal from the seven or eight, and you could have a run, you could have a pass, and you got three downs, let's say, before you're, you know, kicking the field goal. Who do you want to make sure touches the ball on those three downs? Now you're on the seven or eight yard line. So that's part of it. But, you know, seven or eight yard line is plenty of space to pass as well. Who is like if, if okay, so you're first and goal from the eight. And to me, this is kind of how you answer this question. Is, is this you, like a Ravens Super Bowl situation here where we yeah, just like throw like, three fades? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> right. If the Niners get to the Ravens Niners situation again, they're in the Super Bowl, they're down. It's first and goal. I think that was from the seven. Let's just say it was first and goal from the seven. First and goal from the seven in Vegas against the AFC, and they're down, and a touchdown wins it. Who gets the ball first, second, and third down? And what are you doing? So it's like, who's the best weapon, but also who's the best weapon, and what's the right call? Like I looking back on it, I wanted, I wanted Kaepernick to run a quarterback sprint option and either keep it and run it in or flip it to Gore and have Gore run it in. I wanted Kaepernick and Gore to be the guys who touched it on that Niner team. And instead I got multiple fades from Kaepernick to Crabtree and a whole lot of heartbreak. If I it's got first, first and goal from the eight, what do you want? What do you I got to replace? Go ahead. I'm running the China. I'm well. First of all, the three players in this order are the people that I want to see get the ball first from from eight to seven yards out in the red zone. I want to see Ba get the ball first. I want to see George get the ball second, and I want to see Christian get the ball third. The plays that I want to see is I want to see Ba in the slot on a China route. He runs the nastiest China routes in the red zone, and he he gets open on them literally all the time. It's just a matter of throwing him the ball. I want to see George on a play action boot where he leaks out the back on the end zone and meets Brock at the top of the pylon at the back of the end zone. He loves that spot of the end zone. And I want to see Christian on a four by a two by two on the right side of Brock running the an angle route across the middle where he can get an option route on where he can get a two way go on an option route because he loves that route. And see, and, and all three of those are things that Brock is high percentage on that he loves to throw, especially when he finds George in the back of the end zone. And Christian gets to absolutely carve up and do what he needs to do with a two-way go in open space. And then we know that B.A. with that China route on the goal line is killer. That's what I want. Jesse, what are you calling? On the, on the first and goal from the seven, you got three downs, Super Bowl on the line. Who's touching it? What kind of play? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if I'm choosing the player that's touching it, I would want CMC to touch the ball first. 
um, probably IU, Debo, and Kittle in that order. However, the plays I'm calling, I'm trying to get a cheap touchdown first. And that play that they have run so many times this year that has absolutely been unstoppable where they do a play action, they have everything flowing left, and then Kittle sneaks underneath everybody from the left to the right Slip, on a white. Under. Yeah, just slips right up underneath everybody. You get Purdy on a boot action. I'm running that play first, see if I can get a cheap touchdown. If I don't get that touchdown, then I'm probably running outside zone to Christian to see if I can get something. After that, the third play, I'm probably going screen to Debo, and if it comes down to fourth down, then I'm running an old Harbaugh special where I have three receivers on the wide side of the field, Ayuk is the outside one, and he's running a slant underneath two guys that are running straight up the field, and I'm trying to get him in the end zone. That's what I'm doing. I'm going Debo on a reverse. I love yeah. Debo with the ball in his hands and three yards of momentum. I, 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 there's no way I'm gonna I'm leaving the Super Bowl without getting Debo the ball moving because that guy's 225 pounds or whatever, and he just when he's he he'll run he he can run away from you. Or he can run over you. And so it's like, you know what? The way he's kind of run some of these routes recently, I got to get Debo on that. I got to get Ayuk on just anything along the back the back of the end zone where he can jump up. I'd like Ayuk on like a crosser along the baseline and just throw it up to him because he'll go up for it. Um, he'll come down with it. And then I, I as much as I love George, and as much as I love, uh, God, it's hard not to go to Jawan because Jawan is just such the money guy. Um, I think I would go past to Jawan. I think I would go past to Jawan, reverse to Debo, and uh, a pass to Ayuk. And I'm, that means that CMC doesn't touch it, and he might be the MVP. And that means Kittle doesn't touch it, and Juice doesn't touch it. Well, Juice was never going to touch it. But I would probably go Debo on the reverse, Ayuk on the baseline, and Jennings on a slant. Those are my those are my three. Um, I just I I got I've I've tons of belief in Jennings. I don't know how you guys feel about Jennings. I just have a ton of belief that Jennings will come through. Um, okay, last one. Um, or two, there's two last ones here. What would which matchup is the most exciting Super Bowl in your mind? What is the most exciting Super Bowl you guys could come up with? Ravens Niners. Ravens. Yeah. Ravens Niners. Okay. Rematch. Yeah. I want, I want to see them again, man. I'm sorry. I, I that's still I, I'm still not over that. I'm still not over that loss. Can't stand their fan base. I can't stand not nah, nah, no, just the loss. It, the lights going out. I just we need to see the Ravens again. We do. I don't even I want to see the Ravens more than I want to see the Chiefs. God, I really don't want to see the Chiefs. I don't want to. I don't want any part of the Chiefs. I root I against the Chiefs. I do. I want the Chiefs. We need our get back. I do. I think the most exciting matchup is not necessarily the scariest matchup for the 49ers, but if you want to sell tickets and you want to have talking points for two weeks, it's Miami versus San Francisco. Oh it's, my God! It's pupil yes. versus versus. It's student versus teacher. Um, and, and that's the route that you're going. So that that would be the one that like sells the most. You can talk about it the most. I think the one that scares me the most, regardless of how bad they look against everybody else, 
is still Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't care what his weapons are. It's like, I just feel like for the one game, of course, he'd freaking figure it out against San Francisco. And I think the the most uh, interesting matchup, the one that would be the most competitive is the Ravens versus the 49ers, especially if Andrews is back for the playoffs, which it sounds like he may be back for an a- AFC championship and Super Bowl if they get that far. So. I'm 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 saying Niners Dolphins. I just think all that speed that the Dolphins have in Vegas and just you know that fat it's a very fast surface in Vegas and Tyreek is electric and they just have so much speed and they're coming on uh the teacher versus the pupil. We'd have um, to slow their ass down though. Yeah, I mean I I, I don't feel I you know it's scary. I mean all these matchups are scary in my mind but uh, I want Miami, Miami Niners, um, which would be another rematch of Super Bowl 19. All right. And the Niners players have told Kyle Shanahan that they don't like playing Monday night games because they they can't have Chick-fil-A on their flights. OK, they love Chick-fil-A. Um, so, OK, we'll finish with a non-football. If you had to eat one from one chain, doesn't have to be fast food, it could be chain, one chain restaurant for the rest of your life first of all i wouldn't recommend this um (laughs) wouldn't recommend it but if you had to eat one from one one chain the rest of your life what it can't be fast food no it can't it can't be it can be fast food but you probably only last about a month uh you die you you probably die so it it, you know you probably got to think that think it over but one one food chain the rest of your life what's it gonna be damn that's hard one you saw that did you ever guys ever see them the uh mcdonald's one where the guy had mcdonald's for like 40 straight days yeah that was super size me or whatever that was yes yeah besides me the guy started having like heart problems and all it was awful Ugh. people are saying whole foods uh come on that's a grocery (laughs) store it doesn't count chain i mean yeah honestly but that's not a that's not a restaurant new york style italian sausage we're getting that Nice. Uh, Black Bear Diner, pancakes as big as your face. Yeah, Apple Black Bees. Bear Diner is good. They're eating good. You in can't the go wrong with a diner. They're eating good in the neighborhood. Right. They're eating good in the neighborhood. Applebee's, Cosmo, what? Chipotle. Cosmo? Ugh. Hell no. Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's. That's uh, actually not bad. That's not a bad one. Uh, Wing Stop. How about Hooters? <laughs> what about Buffalo Wild Wings? G. Martinez says Larry's eating pig in a pickle. Of course, I'm, <laughs> I'll be going pig in a pickle. You'll be going pig in a... I mean, damn, this is hard. If you had to pick one chain for the rest of your life to eat at... One chain. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it. I'm going to keep it in the spirit. I'm going to keep it in the spirit of fast food because I think that's... They, they are... They chose that based off of Chick-fil-A, which is fast food. So I'll keep it in the spirit of fast food. I... Something about crappy Mexican food steals my heart. Give me Taco some Taco Bell. Bell. But but Taco Bell has to have a double decker. Like it's gonna have to be special made. I need some double deckers and I need some Mexican pizzas. You get those for me and I'm straight. Somebody says Outback Steakhouse. I don't know if that counts. Outback is a chain. <laughs> well, Red I know, Monster. I know, I know, but I mean just you see, you should have stuck it. You I, I'm going, the, I, I know uh, what I'm going. Food. I'm Ooh, going Popeyes, though. No, 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 no. I'm changing it all. Popeyes. I'm Popeyes. going Popeyes. I don't even know how to. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Come on, come on. That's not fair. Popeyes. I'm going Popeyes. It's a chain. 
Yeah, but it's a restaurant. All right, all right. So this okay, is if the, I'm not going to do it, Chris, if, let's if we, redo if, it. Okay. You can't do a restaurant. It has let's to be strictly somewhere fast with food. a drive-through. It's got yeah, to be somewhere with a drive-through. There you go. There you go. I like that. Panera bread count. No. Um, sure. Uh, does Chipotle have a drive-through? No. No. Popeyes. I'm changing it. It's Popeyes for me. Popeyes. Red beans and rice. Red beans and rice. Dead in five weeks. Yeah, Popeyes. <laughs> You're gonna be dead no matter what. What are you? I, I would have been know, dead with Taco If Bell. I really gotta do it every day, I mean seriously. I mean, if this is really every day, even though it's not the best, since you can mix it up and make it, you know, change it up enough where it could be a little bit different, and you can kind of do it healthier if you wanted to do it. I guess I would probably have to go Subway, and I don't love Subway, but at least you know today I'm turkey, tomorrow I'm roast beef, the next day I'm ham. I'm going lots of lettuce, whatever. You know what I mean? I can kind of, I can stay alive longest. I think probably Subway. <laughs> it's all about okay. survival. All right. If I had to go with one, I would go with Zaxby's. Go with oh. what? Zaxby's. Zaxby's. We don't even have that here. Oh, you ain't had Zaxby's? No. <laughs> Describe it. It's like Popeye's on steroids, bro. It's like <laughs> Zaxby's. Like, have you ever heard of cookout? No. All right, cookout, cookout is cookout is like a it's a fast food spot in in the Carolinas down south. They known for their milkshakes. They do like hand spun milkshakes. Um, they have the hot dogs, the hamburgers, the fries, the boardwalk fries. They do all of that. And Zaxby's they specialize in like fried chicken fingers and like fried Ooh. chicken. Zaxby's is the shit. Yeah, yeah. Get on your Google's, man. You, you know, look, a- look up Zaxby's. Isn't Zatarans a, a a chain too? In Zatarans is not nah, Zatarans is a Zatarans? New Orleans. Uh, it's a New Orleans rice company. Zatarans they make gumbo. They make gumbo. Yeah, they make gumbo. So you Freaking can find awesome. Zatarans in the grocery store. I love Zatarans. I love some gumbo. All right, I'm going Subway. You're going Popeyes, Jesse. What are you Popeyes. going with, Coach? Zaxby's. <laughs> Say it again. Zaxby's. Look it up. Z- Zaxby's. Z-A-X-S-B-Y, No, I I have I don't. It's not in Florida that I've seen, but I've had it before. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll now I got. I, I'm curious. I got to get out on the out on the road and hit Zaxby's. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Um. I just lost my current count because we've got more here, more supers. Mm-hmm. Have y'all heard of Canes? C A okay C A N E or K A N E? Yeah, C A N E S. Canes. No, it's not in California. Yeah. Canes? You haven't heard of yeah. Canes, really? I oh. was gonna say, I was gonna say, um, In and Out. Mm. You guys have you guys been to In and Out? Mm-hmm. It's all uh, right. Y'all got Shake Shack, right? No, I don't. I've never been to. You Shake don't Shack. have Shake Shack? No, we don't have Whataburger either. It's a Texas thing. Oh, okay. Okay. In and out, in and out would probably be. We got my, five guys. We got five guys. We do okay, five okay. Guys. Very salty. Salty yeah. enough for fifteen. <laughs> Very salty. Five guys is salty enough for fifteen guys. You know, that's really. <laughs> yeah. <the best. laughs> All right, couple of supers here. Matt McEwen says Purdy's pimp. Watch the video so you can remember correctly. Oh my god, brother Bob says it's like VA <laughs> bitch slapped you. Your your silly trash ass. All right, brother Bob, don't say things to me that you wouldn't say to me face to face. I'm 6'2, 230. Uh-oh. Don't tell me. Uh-oh. 
<laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell. Don't say things you wouldn't say to my face. You wouldn't say that to my face. Him <laughs> and Brown says, "Larry, be fair. You hard pressed Jesse about BA's production. Brother Bob just wants justice. We cannot move on without an apology. Thank you. You're not getting an apology ever. Uh, hard press me. He hard pressed Vish, not me. Yeah, it was. It wasn't Jesse, but I wouldn't You're apologize. Getting an apology either. ever. There's no apologies. Um, you'd be blocked before there'd be an apology. Brother Pops is nails. Sorry, here's another two dollars. I'm related to Greenlaw. Uh, Noah Woods. First time I've seen Noah in here. He says, "You guys are sleeping. Oh, uh, sleeping. Okay, on Wanna Grill. Whataburger? They trying to say? Or okay, I will say this. There's one other chain that I've been to." That is freaking spectacular, but I know you guys have not heard of it because it's not a Del big taco. Chain. No, it's called Fire and Ice. Have you heard no, of Fire I've and never Ice? Heard of that. It's no. in Boston. It's in Anaheim. It's in Tahoe. There's like it is nationwide. It's basically you go and get anything you want as far as meat and and veggies and everything, and they grill it on a circular grill like a kind of like a Mongolian barbecue type thing. Oh, I love Mongolian grill. In front of you. And then you tell them what sauces to put on it. And it's like, whatever, it's like 22 bucks. All you can eat. It's mm. really incredible. Fire and ice. Check it out. If you're we, ever we, Tahoe, had, we had one in Portland. Uh, it was called Chang's Mongolian Grill, which is very similar. And oh my gosh, so good. <laughs> the Mongolian, oh, Jolly Bees. The Mongo Mongolian place in Berkeley. Some of the Cal football players were going there. And it was like, whatever it was, I forget how much it was, five bucks, six bucks, 10 bucks, whatever. The owner of the place was like, hey, guys, how about this? One day you guys can come for free, but you don't can't come here every single day because it was all you can eat. And they were just clearing this guy out. Just have, He said, so you can come one day for free. Uh, you don't have to pay, but you can't come every day. Uh, <laughs> no, what sleeping on Wanna Grill also has a drive through Wanna Grill. Never heard Wanna of Wanna Grill. grill. Never heard of it. I've never heard of it. All right, guys, tell us what you got cooking on your uh, your your channel. Somebody uh, vote for El Polo Loco, which is a big one. Oh, in California. Okay. Are you guys I know that one. familiar with El Polo Loco? I am. I thought that yeah. was something on TV. I thought that was like a TV franchise. They have a re El Polo Loco is real. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, do you guys have a do you guys have a muchas gracias in uh in California? No. I swear that it used to be one because they have <laughs> they have what's called they <laughs> they have what's called <laughs> what's, a, uh, what's Golden Corral. I've never heard of Golden Corral. <laughs> you never heard of Golden. It's like Izzy's pizza. You remember Izzy's back in the day? It's like Izzy's. Is it all you can eat? Is that what it is? I got all you can eat. Like crappy yeah, pizza it's, it's basically a trough. <laughs> yeah. Gammon Brown, Gammon Brown, with a personal question here is: Panel, how tall are all of you for real? For real, I'm six foot two. I'm, I'm six, six three. three. What are you, Jesse? Six You're about two. six two. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're all Jesse, the same. I'm I've six three. Jesse. I'm when is six three. Coaches, coaches posting us up. No, <laughs> not at all. Coaches, coaches taking us down to the low block. So, guys, t uh, I know you guys got a bunch of stuff cooking on your channels uh, for the rest of the week before the Seattle game. If you guys want to run it down, get let me tease what you got cooking over the next few days before we get out. Yeah, of here. I mean, for me, it's just going to be rerun stuff from the shows this week. I usually go Tuesday through Thursday. Really crazy. Multiple shows every day. And then you went last uh, night behind Sunday. enemy lines, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So I do behind enemy lines. Like when I just basically do double shows Tuesday through Wednesday. And then the rest of the week, it's like cut ups of the shows for people that like short form content. And then uh, obviously Sunday, I, I go after the game as well. So now, coach, the fact that you're here, you, are you still want you still want to stream Saturday morning? Hell yeah. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. I yeah, so you don't want to stream with me just because we streamed on because we streamed on this? <laughs> what you trying like to say? You trying to hash it out on air? You want to do it live? You hear me I, with I, the Bill O'Reilly? You want to do I, it live? We'll do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> I think coach. I think coach is going to be filling in for Vish though for the next few weeks because Vish is gone until like January third. So, how yeah. many people at the beginning of the show fell for my? Coach is Vish. Probably not too many. My, my guess is not too many. That'll be my guess. Um, all right. Tomorrow I'm on with Chase Sr. Uh, he's my Friday morning guy. And then uh, I think I'm going to go with Dave Softy Mahler uh, from oh, Softy. AJR. Softy. He's just go. obnoxious. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, and then Coach on Saturday. And then game day. We're looking forward to game day. And I'll be doing, uh, if, you're, if you're going to the game, Stop by the Santa Clara Hilton. I'll be at the Santa Clara Hilton with the great fullback, future Hall of Famer, Lorenzo Neal. Low Neal will be in the house. And then post-game, me, Kev, um, JD, uh, who else? Damon, maybe. uh, Rye, Danny, Baller, a bunch of guys. We'll do a little post-game after Niners Hawks. And one last super, two last supers, because they just keep coming. Kill, killa. What did I say? Killa Mig eight three one. All right, it's kind of a dangerous handle there. Yeah. <laughs> Says for a million dollars, who would you guys want to get slapped by? Ray Rice, Adrian oh, Peterson, OJ Simpson, or Greenlaw? Uh, probably OJ Simpson. Uh, probably OJ Simpson. Rice, <laughs> Rice, Rice can throw those hands. Greenlaw's a bad, <laughs> bad man. AP. I mean, come on, come on. Can we come? Can we call our, ourselves K Man? Yo. Can we, can we, <laughs> you got, I was I mean, like, how is he going to say his name? <laughs> I mean, you know, can, can we have a Doctor K? Maybe st- steal one from Doc Gooden. I mean, do we have to go with that one? Oh, oh man, I saw you sweat about five pounds. Oh, yeah. that game, like, so till, uh, I'm picturing that the demonetization. <laughs> the story of Larry Kruger's channels, he built it up to 30,000 and lost it all in one day. Um, <laughs> Javier oh, Sierra says, any local family-owned joints, those are always the best. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Pig in a pickle. Gammon Brown, Larry, chat doesn't believe you are 6'2". Tape. Oh, they trying to say you short. <laughs> we're going to have to get measured and, and put it out in a short just so we can I know, show you know, people. It's, it's, it's so funny, Gammon Brown, that you said that because I did a, a meet and greet with Damon's fan base, right, in a, at a bar in the city. And that was the, like, literally every person that walked up to me said, dude, I thought you were way shorter than this. And I think it's because I got a fat face. I think that's it. People look at my face and just go, "Ah, oh, that guy's five eight. No, bro, six two. Six two. Your timing tonight is. And, I, and my and I'm actually the short guy in my family. My dad was six three. My brother's like six five. 
I'm I'm the runt. I'm the runt of the litter at six two. I think it's because I have a fat face. I guess I got a fat, fat face. In fact, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna it's go. Revelations all the way around. Just I'm throwing them all over the place. I'm gonna go thin out my face right now. Uh, sorry, Gammon. Yeah, six two. So don't talk shit to me. Don't talk shit. <laughs> oh my god. Don't talk shit, man. I'm six two. Don't talk shit. I'm six uh, <laughs> two. You can put that on his shirt. Don't talk don't shit. Talk, I'm six two. Uh, don't talk I got shit, a bro. fat face. That's a dangerous handle. <laughs> I feel yeah, like we've come up with three shirts. Dangerous handle, dog. Yeah, seriously. I may make a t-shirt. I mean, you know, <laughs> you didn't think I was six two. I just, it's just it's just a fat face. Um, <laughs> all right. That's that's a that's a pretty interesting handle you got there. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, good to see you. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to everybody in the supers. Um, seriously, God, my God. There were let me tell you how many there were thousands of comments and seventy-five supers. And I think 70 of them went to Jesse. No, no, I'm just joking. But Jesse does get an awful lot of supers. We thank you guys all for for uh, for for uh, you know being part of the show, Coach. We, you're you're you know I'll give you the invite right now. You're invited back on uh, on Thursday nights until uh, Vish comes back. I'm and, glad you, you will know, have you, me. If if you want to stick with us after that, we can make this a quad box. And, um, you know, we, we can, you know, we, I we'll love do it, man. I, I love telling, having you guys. I was just telling Grant today. I said, you know what? Vi uh, Jesse and coach are stars. I literally said mm. that to Grant today. And he's like, yeah, man, they both have a lot to say and a, and a, and good channels. So both of you guys, seriously onward and upward. Great stuff. Uh, you, Brown, damn you for not thinking I'm six, two and <laughs> killer mig eight, three, one. Miguel the Killer, LOL. You never get it right. Get it right. right well, you're the one. <laughs> that does not look like Miguel the Killer. <laughs> yeah. Well, could you maybe just in the future write, I don't know, Miguel the Killer? <laughs> yeah. You can put a dash in there instead somewhere. Of, instead of making me uncomfortable. All right. No, but thanks to everybody. Uh, peace, love. Catch you guys all later. Thank you. Have a great night, everybody. Take care, guys. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of. Careful, you won't get.